Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Battle Round, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Battle Round is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I am your host, Paul Valley. Joining me, as always, is my incomparable co-host, Zach Goodman, on another beautiful Saturday. We're just going to get up into the 90s today, Zach. How are you today, man? Pretty solid. Really nice day out, like you said. Um, you know, the, the Orioles have had a, a really rough week, another rough game last night. So, I mean, my opinions on the Orioles are not so hot right now, but otherwise, uh, pretty solid. Yeah, it's hard. We called it. Well, I, call, yeah. I called it. Yeah, uh, you didn't disagree with me that when the Orioles played the Red Sox and they lost that first game of the series, a game that they should have won when they gave up four unearned runs, and then they lost the next game by getting bludgeoned, and then they lost again, and then they finally won the fourth game, uh, four to one. I sat there and I said, "Man, just this, fe- it just feels like everything's going wrong." Yeah, it, 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 I said it feels like. And it was that really after the first win again, the first loss against the the Mets. Again, the Orioles had no business losing, leading two nothing in the eighth, and they lose three to two. I said on that follow on that show that that week, it feels like this is a ten losses in twelve game stretch, and sure enough, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, ten losses in twelve games, which has now become eleven losses in twelve games. And look, we're gonna get. All into this. Unfortunately, we're going to get all into this. But there are some things I want to note, uh, first and foremost here. Um, capacity restrictions at Camden Yards are being lifted as of June 1st. You can, uh, anybody can go to a game now. There's no limitations. If you still want to remain socially distant because, you know, we're still in this pandemic. We're on the way out. There's a ton of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but if you want to still be socially distant, the Orioles are going to have pod seating in certain parts of the stadium if you want to be um, away from other fans. And when you're the Orioles and you basically draw like you're in a pandemic even in normal years, they can do stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. When the team is floundering and they're 10 games below 500, which they are right now, you can afford to have pod seating. But if you want to go to a game, no restrictions whatsoever. They're still going to make you wear your masks in the stadium, though. When I went to the game on Wednesday, they did not make you wear them when you were in your seats. Yeah. That was a tough game, yeah. by the way. Orioles had a 5 nothing lead in the fifth inning, and they lost 9-7. Um, to seven. Though Trey Mancini went bananas, 4-5 for five with two home runs, a bases clearing, bases loaded double, five ribeye stakes in that game. I mean, Lord knows I love ribeye stakes. Moving on. Uh, Chris Davis, done for the year. Uh, he had surgery to, rep- to repair a torn hip labrum, which was an injury we didn't even know he was suffering. Uh, he hurt his back in his second at-bat of the spring in the first game of spring training way back in February. Has not seen a field since then. Uh, if he has, it's been through a window. And he basically uh, 
is done for the year. The insurance policy is going to pay him this year. He'll be back in time for spring training next year in the final year of his seven-year, $161 million contract. And the reason that he'll be back next year is because the Orioles are still going to try to find a way to save money. Maybe another injury comes up, and he gets the insurance paying him out on that one as well. But when you sign a a player to a big contract like that, you always take out an insurance policy, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think a lot of people have been talking about how insurance could kind of offset the contract a little bit. There's a bunch of different loopholes I guess the Orioles could try to use there. You know where where Chris Davis wouldn't actually they wouldn't actually have to pay Chris Davis. And obviously they're getting you know, so little production out of him, the Orioles aren't going to be upset with that. Um, you know, I think what's important here to realize is that you said it we we haven't even heard about this hip labrum thing. Like this is this is just the first time we're hearing about that. That's how little Chris Davis means this team anymore. You know, it's not like Rakubakos has been saying, oh, Chris Davis is working out. He's trying super hard to come back. You know, the Orioles are excited for his return. There's none of that. It's just, we didn't even know about this extra injury. We heard about the, the back thing. You know, we didn't really get any updates, and now he's had surgery. It just, it, it's got to be over. It's got to be. This has got to be, for me, the end of Chris Davis. And I mean, look, if insurance ends up paying out the end of his contract, I think everyone, everyone wins there, you know, including Chris. Yeah, uh, the guy's getting his money regardless. Right, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I firmly believe he's played his last regular yeah. season game uh, in a Baltimore Orioles uniform, and maybe his last regular season game in his career. Yeah. He, you have to believe he's done. Nobody's going to yeah. sign him to league minimum. No, Somebody might give him... He might get a... Um, he might get a, a contract from the independent Long Island Ducks, um, but I can't imagine this man playing professional baseball no, again. No. I do think he'll get run in um, spring training next year and be given an opportunity be given an opportunity but he's going to have to hit 600 with 15 home runs yeah. next spring maybe not that off the charts but he's going to have to he's going to have to look like 2013 Chris Davis to have any shot of making this roster next year I mean I think it's going to look good for Angelos and look good for Mike Elias and the rest of the organization not that Mike Elias has much control over Davis because I firmly believe he doesn't but it looks good for the the organization as a whole if they just kind of wipe the slate clean say we messed up with Davis let him go you know give him maybe like some kind of retirement ceremony would be nice in you know May of next year whatever it is and just call it quits. It's not, you know, they're not going to try to get any more production out of this guy. Like you said, they may run him out in spring training, but I just can't see him making a roster. I just think it sets the rebuild back even farther. It's been already set back by the pandemic. So now having Chris Davis wasting a roster spot and producing and playing absolutely, you know, no time at all. He's going to play maybe one day a week if he's ever on this roster again. It just doesn't really make sense. It looks good for the organization to just call it quits with this whole thing. It really doesn't make sense. And you look at this at this team, and there's not a spot for him. You, you know, you if you don't trade Trey Mancini, and we're going to talk about that a lot today, if you don't trade Trey Mancini, you're looking at... Really, uh, no place for Chris Davis. Right. You're not I mean, going to put him at third base. You're not going to put him at first base. You're not going to put him in the outfield. You might DH him, but you're not going to DH him when you have other guys on this roster that could DH. Right. And really, it, how this roster is going to break down the rest of this year and next year is pretty interesting, to say the least. And I've been been kind of looking at, and we'll talk about this with Todd Karpovich, I've been looking at the Orioles outfielders, and I've been looking at how, who, who do you keep? Who do you trade? Who do you trust? Uh, it's still alive for Papa Roach. Um, it, it's just 
this team has a lot of question marks, and right yeah. now, not a lot of answers. Now, obviously, there's not a lot of answers as this team has lost 11 of 13 after their 4 to 2 loss last night. Look, uh, moving on to the Orioles on the field action, they've only collected six hits combined in their last two games. It was a two out, two run, ninth inning Freddie Galvis home run that prevented them from being shut out as they lost four to two. Uh, Anthony Santander returned last night, one for four in his return to the lineup. Trey Mancini, two more doubles. There's nobody hotter in baseball right now no, than Trey no. Mancini. That batting average is up to 281. He's got 10 home runs, a major league leading 39 RBIs. He has been absolutely on fire for basically six weeks now. Uh, hit him well over 300 over his last 30 games. It just really, he, he's got a stranglehold on that Comeback Player yeah. of the Year award. And yeah. you're, you're probably going to see him uh, in Colorado for the All-Star game. And there were talks that he yeah. might do the home run derby. or Not not that he might do the home run derby, but uh, Ken Wyman opined on 105.7 The Fan yesterday. Um, could we see Trey Mancini in the home run derby? How would you feel about seeing Trey con- uh, compete in the home run derby? Uh, look, I would love it. I-, I think that the Orioles do not get enough representation uh, for their players around baseball. I don't think they get enough recognition. So seeing a guy like Trey, you know, coming back what he's coming back from, being the player he is, he deserves that. He really does deserve that, and it'd be a lot of fun to watch him. I think, you know, it's been how long since the Orioles have had a guy in the home run derby? It was probably Chris Davis in 14 or 15, maybe. It's been a while. Yeah, no. It, it, I know it, Adam it was, Jones did it once. Manny Machado, of course. I never saw Adam Jones do it. He did not. Oh, he was in the All Star game, so maybe it just mixes and, and, together and, and with I, me. But and I don't recall seeing Manny Machado. Manny, do it. Uh, Manny did it, I believe, 2016. Let me let me look that up real quick. But yeah, it'd be a lot of fun to see Trey do it for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I do know that Chris Davis did in 2013. He hit that Chevy truck out there in center field. Uh, I believe it was. Um, I can't remember where the, where the game was played. But so, so Machado was 2015. 2015. He, he, he did ho- compete in the home run derby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Chris Davis did in 2013. He hit yeah, the truck. That must he be, he yeah. either won a truck or won a truck for a fan or something like that by hitting it. But that was yeah. back when Chris Davis was good and not having um, phantom hip injury <laughs> surgeries. And th- not to say that it's a phantom injury. We just had no. We hadn't heard anything about his hip all year. And now he's having hip surgery. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Hey, so anyway, Jorge Lopez, five innings last night, seven hits, three walks. That's a two-whip for you math whizzes out there. Eight strikeouts. He allowed two runs. Dude, the guy got two quick outs in the fifth inning, and then he couldn't get out of the inning without giving up two runs. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's been a, it was a microcosm of his entire season. He can't get out of the fifth inning without allowing runs. He's only done it twice all year. Uh, Orioles pitchers, Orioles starting pitchers, uh, four of the last six starts, starters have uh, failed to get beyond four innings, uh, and five of the last six starters have failed to get past the fifth. Uh, John Means, the only pitcher to get past the fifth this past week. Uh, and, and even then, he gave up three runs yeah. in, the, in that fifth inning uh, against in the game I was at when they had a 5 nothing lead and lost. Gave up three runs against Tampa Bay, who's on fire, yeah. by the way. They've scored yeah. seven-plus runs in six straight games. And nine plus runs in five of those six games. But anyway, I digress. Um, and then means he, he was still on the hook for that inherited runner score. Adam Plutko can't get anybody out right now. Yeah. Travis Lakin's miserable May continues. He can't get anybody out right now. The Orioles bullpen, which was at one point had a sub three ten ERA, their ERA is now up to four oh eight. Not only that, they're taxed. I mean, all of these guys have pitched so much because these starters can't get past you know three or four innings, which is just and Lopez to his credit, you know, he was able to get through five innings last night, which was better than you know a lot of guys have done in the past. But you put Lopez in for that fifth inning, and he automatically just starts blowing up after two. I I don't know what it is. I don't I, know what I, it is. I can't believe. In this scenario where the bullpen has been used so much, and you heard the soundbite um, 
over throughout the week or throughout the last day or two, where Brandon Hodge said that in that ten to one loss, he didn't want to use Travis Lakins at all, and he ends up throwing forty pitches in an inning in a game where he wasn't even supposed to pitch. Yeah, right. right, right, and so, in with that in mind, I was actually surprised that Lopez at eighty eight pitches wasn't brought back out for the sixth inning yesterday. Yeah. And for nothing else, see if you can't get three outs before going to your bullpen in a game that's still relatively close. You know, it, to me, it, you got to give it a shot. You got to save this yeah. bullpen. There's no help on the horizon, which is the most frustrating thing about this team. There's, also scary, because it's only going to go down. Yeah, there, there's no help. I mean, Dean Kramer, he had three straight starts where he went five innings or more, allowed two runs or less. It had looked... It was starting to look good, like he was maybe turning a corner. And then he comes out the other day and walks four batters in three innings, 63 pitches. He leaves that game trailing four to, four to nothing. And you look at... Uh, he was facing Randy Arozarena in the second inning. And it's a 2-0 count. He's already given up the home run. I think it was to Kiermaier. It's a, yeah, that sounds right to me. It, it's, it's a 2-0 count, two runners on. I'm at the gym, and I'm watching the game on my phone on the Mass app, and I said to myself, it's about to be 4 nothing." And what happens? Yeah. He throws an elevated 91-mile-an-hour fastball to Randy Rosarena, who deposits it over 110 miles per hour off the bat into the right center field stands for a three-run homer, and it's 4 nothing. And it's just frustrating because you can't— to a player like Randy Rosarena, right. when you're behind 2-0— that next pitch better not be a fastball up in the zone. If you right. can paint, if you can locate, which clearly Dean Kramer can't do this year, if you can locate, that's fine. But a 91-mile-an-hour fastball at the at the top of the zone, that doesn't play. Well, this is the same conversation we had last week with Aaron Judge. I mean, we talked about the exact same thing. Yeah. You, you can't leave fastballs middle-mill or middle-high to these hitters like this. You, you just can't do it. You're not going to get away with it. And, it's, and it's, it's too much of a problem for the Orioles right now. It's crazy because I said you can't do that to any big league hitter. And yeah. then the next inning, Pedro Severino comes up. It's a 2-0 count. And he gets an elevated fastball, and he swings right through it. He swings well. He swings right through it. <laughs> I guess and, we, <laughs> and I and I responded to my own tweet and I said I stand corrected. Apparently, you can leave an elevated two zero fastball to to, to Pedro to, Severino, to Pedro Severino, Chance who, Cisco. Who I mean, yeah, a bunch, bunch of guys. Inexplicably, still batting fourth at times. Yeah. for this team now that now that um that that Tony Taters is back. Right, he'll he'll bat the, he'll the bat, cleanup he'll, spot. He'll bat lower because you have your top four hitters in the top four spots in the lineup, but. Pedro Severino in his 240 average and his one home run and his four RBIs has batted cleanup at least three times in the last yeah. two weeks, which is just mind-boggling to me. And it kind of speaks to how bad the Orioles are right now. Very frustrating. How frustrated are you with how bad this team is? It's not really only how frustrated I am because I'm, I'm very, but I think the other part is just that it, it scares me right now because this team has nothing going. There's no energy. There's no guy that's going to come up and start hitting the ball for you well, or, or you're going to have an ace come up and start throwing, or someone coming off the injury list. There's just nothing. There's no energy. They're not playing well in any facet of the game. How many games are they going to lose coming up? Because it's going to be a lot. That's I'm looking at it right now. They won 17 games already. You know they, They've won 17 games. They're going to lose a lot more right now. They're in a stretch where right now it's about to get really bad, and I think that's what I'm kind of scared to see. I, I think it's going to be... 
a very, very, very bad next few weeks. And the reason is, is one, the bullpen's taxed. Number two, the starters can't go more than three, four innings. And when they do, it's four or five runs they're, you know, they're giving up. And number three, this offense is getting two hits per night. That, that's, you know, inexcusable. You, you cannot get, you know, you said six hits in the last, what, three games it's been now? It's just inexcusable. You just can't do it. You you can't do that and expect to win ball games. Yeah. So I it's 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 a combination of things. But yeah, I'm extremely frustrated right now with that. It's it, it's a tough run for yeah. the Orioles right now. So they played to start to stretch. They played Boston, the Mets, the Yankees, yeah. Tampa Bay, all teams either tough. either in first place or in playoff positioning right now. Then they have the Nationals who are a lot better than their last place record says. Then they have the Twins who seem to be heating up. They're a lot better than their terrible record would suggest. Then they have the White Sox for four games. They have the Twins again for three. They have the the Cleveland Indians for three. They have the Mets for two. Then they have Tampa Bay for three. Cleveland again for four. Toronto, Houston, Toronto, Houston, the Angels, Toronto, the White Sox, and then the All-Star break. Uh, I mean, it's... it's Unbelievably this, this, bad. This team will not have 30 wins by the All-Star break. You, you can't imagine they will. The, no. the, the, you can't imagine they I, will. I don't see, over the next two months, I don't see 13 wins. And we're not trying to be negative here. We're, we're not. We're, we're just, just trying to be realistic. It, it is what it is. Right. You know, this team, they, they played pretty damn well through yeah. their first 31 games. They were 15-16. and 16. They were coming home off a 4-2 and two West Coast trip. You're feeling good about the team. John Means has a no-hitter. Yeah. Matt Harvey's pitching well. Freddie Galvez is hitting home runs. Trey Mancini's hitting up, heating up. And you thought that Ryan Mountcastle was heating up. He looks as lost as ever to me at the plate, despite his 4-RBI yeah. performance, which is the only thing he did all week uh, last Sunday. And now you look at this team, and, and, and that's the thing. You said... There's nobody that's going to come up that's going to hit for this team, or and nobody that's going to come up that's going to be an ace for this team. Other than jo- you right. have John Means and everybody else. Right. The, the reinforcements aren't coming. There's, there is, there's nothing coming. The Norfolk Tides are three and thirteen. Yeah. They're three and thirteen. Their best players are on the injured list. Everybody in that rotation yeah. is getting lit up. Yep. You, you mentioned Kyle Bradish before the show. You mentioned that Kyle Bradish just got called up to AAA. He did out of necessity. Right. Yeah. Everybody's it, getting lit no, up. There are no arms. I and, mean. And, and Michael Bauman will be at AAA probably in two yep. weeks, uh, if not sooner. These guys might be able to help, but we thought that Zach Lowther was going to help. He comes out, makes a big league start, gives up seven runs in two innings. Yeah. There's no... And hasn't pitched well at AAA either. Yeah, he, he, and then he got lit up at Norfolk. Right. There is no help coming for this team. They're not signing free agents. And then we talk about... Um, they're gonna they're gonna trade players. That did, who the hell are they gonna trade? Because if you trade someone, how much worse can this get? I mean, it, you, say you trade a guy like Trey Mancini. Let's just put it out there. I know we're gonna talk about that more later in the show. But say you trade a guy like Trey Mancini. Who is the offense coming from? You know, you get maybe a couple hits from Cedric Mullins per night. You know, you you get Santander, given that he's still on this team at that point. You have you know obviously Austin Hayes was playing well. But then after that, if you trade Trey Mancini, the offensive production is going to be nothing. Nothing right now. Yeah, um, Ryan Mountcastle might be in desperate need of a demotion. He, 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 he might need to go back to AAA to gain his confidence. He was the International League MVP and the youngest MVP in the league. as one of the youngest players yeah. in, the, in the league two seasons ago. 
he is up here and he looks lost. I have never seen one player swing and miss at middle middle pitches so much yeah. as Ryan Mountcastle. It's almost has. like he doesn't expect it, and then it, he just swings. He's still late on it he, every he, time. He gets a fastball down the middle. He's late. He gets a a, yeah. a, a hanger. He swings right through it, and he's pulling his head out. He's, it's, yeah. He he hasn't done anything to shorten his swing, and the guy has a compact swing. You, you can tell it's a mess. It's but, just everything at the plate with Ryan Mountcastle is unfortunately a mess right now. It's, ev- it's every swing. He's trying to hit an eight-run homer to snap a slump. Yeah, every swing. Yep, and, and it's just not working. Yep, and, and he might be the winner of take the rake the past, this past week, going four for seventeen. Yeah, that is how bad the Orioles have been against is, against two of the other better hitters, Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins. Yeah, which who, is even who, sadder. Uh, Cedric is now hitting two ninety-two. It's, fir- yeah. it's his first time all year batting below three hundred. He's in a in a terrible slump. Zach's gonna get standing on the line while I'm gonna talk a little bit here about Trey Mancini. Like we said, highlight for the last month that continued this week. He had two doubles last night, uh, pushed his current hitting streak to eight games. Amazingly, nobody took him and take the rake last week, and all he did was go 10 for 20 with two doubles, three home runs, nine RBIs, six walks, and seven runs scored. If you pick Trey Mancini for take the rake, and you, you might win the whole season if you pick him every week. Uh, just like John Means, the question is staring the Orioles right in the face. Do you extend him? Or do you trade him? Not a free agent until 2023, but he's 29 years old. Despite his age, he barely has 500 games under his belt and less than 2,000 at-bats. So the wear and tear isn't really there. We're going to talk about Trey Mancini um, and whether he's a trade chip or an extension candidate here for the Orioles throughout this show. Speaking of this show, the rest of the show, we have Stan the Fan Charles in just moments at 1020 on the line here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Craig Heist from 106.7 The Fan will be on to talk Nationals at 1050. The payoff pitch around the league at 1115. Orioles banter down on the farm again at 1120. And from Sports Illustrated, BaltimoreBaseball.com and and, uh, Pressbox's own, uh, Todd Karpovich at 1135 plus take to rake. But right now, Zach is going to sound off on something that we were in total agreement on this past week. All right. Um, this week, Yerman Mercedes, he hit a th- he hit a home run off of the catcher and the first baseman for the Twins. That's Williams Astadio. Um, obviously, a position player pitching. Something that you don't want to have happen to your franchise. You you don't want to have position players pitching. That's the first thing. And the Twins have been very bad this year, and they've had it out of necessity quite a few times. Now, he had a home run, a 3-0 count, while they were up by an obscene amount of runs. I think it was 12, 13 runs. They it was were up crazy. 15 to 4. Yeah, so, Yerman Mercedes hits a home run. This is a guy who has been through the Orioles organization, actually. He's been a career minor leaguer. He's now, you know, on the other side of his 20s. And he's a guy who's never been able to prove himself. This is a guy right now who needs to be producing. Therefore, he went up and swung the bat and hit a home run. He's favorite for rookie of the year. Right. Like he should be doing. You, you want to help your team win? You want to you know, increase your own value? You hit home runs. I don't see anything wrong with that, right? It's a 3-0 pitch. The position player's pitching. I don't see anything wrong with it. But people on the other side of things, have gotten very angry. The Twins announcers were freaking out about it. They were saying, I don't like it, I don't like it. The you know Tony La Russa comes out and says, he's going to face consequences for that. I don't appreciate it. You're not supposed to do that. The unwritten rules of baseball. I'm going, what unwritten rules? When Yerman Mercedes goes to arbitration in a few years and he has to prove his case and they ask him, how many home runs did you hit? He'll realize that every, or anybody will realize that every at-bat counts. Every home run you hit, that counts. Every RBI, every hit, it all counts toward... It's how these guys get paid. Right, it all counts toward the arbitration case they have and the amount of value that they carry. Yerman Mercedes, he wants to hit home runs because he's a Major League Baseball player and that is his job. Why not let him do it? Why are we going to spark outrage over something that's so meaningless? It's a home run for Yerman. That increases his value and does nothing to make the Twins lose that game. Nothing. The outrage 
should be over allowing a first baseman exactly. slash catcher on, on a what should be first place team on, on on a team that's been to the playoffs the last two years right coming in throwing 47 mile an hour pitches that's not major league baseball exactly. I don't have a problem with it I have a problem with people getting up in arms when a hitter hits yes all right and more yes. so than anything else my issue is Tony Larusa and look it's been working yeah. out but this is exactly what we were worried about exactly. this offseason when Tony Larusa took the helm for for the Chicago White Sox, seventy six years old, old school, thinking my my crap doesn't stink because I'm a Hall of Fame manager. You heard his his attitude when he got pulled over with the DUI, and that was strike one. Right to me, that was strike one, saying his player is going yeah. to be there's going to be consequences. That's your job to stand it, up for your players. Stand up for your player. Yeah, you can pull him and say, Hey, man, we don't do that. But to do it on national television, say, hey, yeah, there's, there's going to be consequences, get the hell out of here. In, inexcusable. And then strike two is the next day when Lance Lynn, mm-hmm. arguably your best pitcher, comes out and says, there's no unwritten rules. I don't care if he's going to pitch it. We're gonna. This guy should hit it. And then LaRusso says, he has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree. Who the hell do you think you are? Yeah, I mean, you are, you are a man well past your prime in baseball. Uh, uh, with a t- with a, a team of really talented kids, right? Who's gonna win this one? Right. Because you won't be here much longer if this right. if this is your attitude. The, there are two unwritten rules to me in baseball. One, you don't bunt in the ninth inning of a no hitter. Two, you don't steal bases seventh inning or later up by six or more. Yeah, Those to fair. me are the unwritten rules. Everything else, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. I had another problem with one thing. Um, you know, the Twins announcers, I don't know if they're the exact same announcers as a few years ago, but don't forget the Twins organization, including Brian Dozier, was the ones that got very upset about, uh, about Chance Cisco batting, uh, uh, bunting against the shift. I believe it was opening day 2018. He bunted against the, the shift. Thir- it was the third game of the season. It was third game of the season. He got a base hit. You know, he got on as any young player would want to do. You're, you're up there to hit. You, you shift on him. He has the perfect right to bunt against the shift. He did that, and everyone got really upset. This is the same organi- Twins organization that got very upset about that. Now and they're getting upset about this. That made no sense because right. it was it was a four run lead, I believe, and they were it was a they had the Orioles had four hits. They had right. no, they had no runs. It, it wasn't a no hitter. Don't shift. That, that, that did, don't shift. We got Stan on the line. We've had to make him listen to us talk for about five minutes now. Stan, my apologies. How are you today? That's okay. No need to apologize. I think it makes a better discussion after uh, uh, Zach's comments. Um, but uh, I think you touched on, first of all, I love both of your passion. Uh, I think you touched on the much more important story here is what a poor fit yeah. Tony LaRusse is with a championship caliber team. Um, the fact that he would sort of take a stance that publicly against not only one of his players, now he's sort of against Lance Lynn. Mm-hmm. He's sort of against Tim Anderson. Uh, it's really, it's more than a bad look. It's a bad vibe in that clubhouse that I don't think they respect their manager. And I think ultimately when you go through a 162-game gauntlet and then the playoffs, another potentially 20 to 25 games, you have to respect your manager. And I don't think that the requisite respect is there Tony LaRusa. I think he's out of touch and ultimately I'm a firm believer and I thought it was a I thought it was a big problem with the Orioles that Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette didn't have their oars in the water together, you know, going right. the same direction. 
I think that I smell that Rich Rich Hahn, the general manager, would have never hired Tony Larusa. So Jerry Reinsdorf sort of short circuited that ability for everybody to be on the same page. Uh, and I think it will still rear its ugly head along with the injuries that they've had, of course, missing uh, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. I will take exception with one thing Zach said. Uh, I think there's a guy in Texas now that's jumped way in front of Yerman Mercedes. This Adalas Garcia is yeah. having a rookie of the year season. Um, and, and I don't think, with all due respect to Zach, I don't think that Yerman Mercedes was up there thinking about his arbitration case in two years or three years. I just think he's playing baseball. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you on that yeah. one. I mean, that's his job. His job is to hit home runs. He's a DH. Yep. He's not a good defender. You know, at either first base or catcher, he's a horrible defender there. His job is to hit home runs, right. and that's what he did. I, don't, I just don't know where the problem comes from. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, these unwritten laws are yeah. the unwritten rules. I think you touched on the two, uh, uh, Paul, that really are sort of sac- more sacrosanct. Mm-hmm. And that's the stealing bases, things that really rub it in. But when you when you have a pitcher that's a position player, that's not your problem that that you're facing him. You know. Yep. That's exactly. Your problem for being in the situation you're in. You know. And as far as the Minnesota announcers getting up in arms. Sure, they're up in arms because their team stinks this year. You know. Yeah, they're, they're tired of calling games where the team gets their teeth kicked in and then they watch somebody hit a home run off a position player. But look, you're, you're willing to put a position player in. You can't expect grown men who are trying to make their money uh, yep. to say, hey, you know what, we're not going to try because we feel bad for you. That's This isn't Little League. This isn't rec right. ball. This is Major League Baseball. And, and hitters hit. That's right. what they do. Yeah. You know the risk yeah. you take by taking the mound as a position player. You don't want to get hit, uh, give up a home run? Don't pitch. Okay. Let are the pitchers the, pitch. Are the, twin, are the Twins in that situation going to let their pitchers hit in, in the bottom of the ninth inning? No, they're going to have their hitters hit. You know, So if, if, if their pitchers are position players, you know, all, to me, all bets are off. Uh, the batters have every right to swing at a 3-0 pitch. You know, uh, it's it's a it's a non really the most important part of this is it's exposing a problem with the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, and Paul mentioned before that this is kind of two strikes now. You look at Larusa and he's done really two very very questionable things so far. So what would have to be strike three? What is the thing that would actually get Larusa out of the manager job? Is it really something that would be so dramatic, or is it something that would be more? Um, I don't think it's one one particular thing he has to do as manager. It's if the players revolted and mm-hmm. just sort of gave the it went to the general manager, and the general manager then had the ammunition to go to the owner and say, these players are really, there's, there's 12 of them came to my office. They don't want to play for this guy. That's a, that's a problem. Yeah. And that that could be what happens. Uh, you you have to imagine that Tony Larusa would have to mind his p's and q's basically the rest of the season after this really bad look uh, over this past week. We'll, we'll see how that plays out with the White Sox. They are twenty six and seventeen and in first place by two and a half games over Cleveland in the Central they Division. Should run, they should run away with that division. The fact that the Twins are as bad as mm-hmm. they are this year. Uh, unless they've got like a 20 and 25 streak in them right now. Um, I, I don't see how they're going to get back in it. 
I'll tell you a very brief uh, story. I was in spring training. It was it's probably 2019. And whenever I get a chance, if I'm in spring training, to pick the brains of somebody that might help my fantasy team. So I was asking, I was asking Larusa, uh, and Larusa at that time was a special assistant to to uh, Dave Dombrowski with the Red Sox. I was asking him about a pitcher named Mike Sharwin. You remember him from a couple of years ago? The name sounds familiar. He, he made it like he was a Triple A prospect, and the write ups were that. He and Darwinzer and Hernandez were their two prospects. So I was asking him about him, and I used to know Larusa. I mean, not we weren't best friends, but I had a really nice small relationship with him, and he never like sort of groused at me or yelled at me. So I was asking him about Sharwin, and he and he sort of grumbled. Like, I mean, this is like an old man, and I'm seventy now. So I was like sixty-seven then. Tony was probably seventy-four. He started, like, really grousing at me. Why are you asking me about him? This is the guy you should be asking me about. And he pointed to Darwin Zern Hernandez, you know, who was on the mound. And I had my back to him because I was asking Tony. But he was, I had never seen him so sort of angry as sounding. And uh, it's just something I've observed. And now when I hear him, it doesn't even sound like the same person that I knew 25 years ago, you know, when he was in Oakland. This is a guy who's probably, you know, he, he's been through it all in his career, yep. and, he, and he's probably got this mentality now almost of a curmudgeon. It's my way or the highway, and, yep. and, and some people get like that, and, and some people go the opposite route. So this Tony La Russa thing, it just seems like he thinks he's got the smartest baseball acumen in the room. Uh, and if you don't, if you don't agree with him, then you're on the opposite side of the fence as, yep. as him. Yeah, uh, for a long time he did. He was one of the brilliant baseball managers of uh, that I've ever watched. And and for a guy that has been so skilled at setting up his bullpen, watching him fumble uh, his handling of his bullpen this year has been it's been an eye opener to me. I think it's going to be a, a, a short love affair with Tony LaRusso yeah. in Chicago for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the Orioles stand. We talked about it last week that this felt like 10 losses in 12 games type of stretch, and that's what it became until it became 11 losses in 13 games with the uh, with the Orioles' loss last night to the Nationals, 4-2. to two. Look, do you blame this recent downturn on the fact that they've played 10 of those 13 games against the AL East, um, and that 12 of the last 13 games were against teams either in first place or in playoff position, or is it just because the Orioles aren't that good? Well, I'm, I'm, well, it's it's partly all of those things, but you know they didn't look so bad on the West Coast when they were playing an Oakland A's team and beat them two out of three in Oakland, right? And then went to, and went to Seattle. And Seattle was playing well at that time. Now, the full body of their their amazing slump, team-wide slump, hadn't fully come into bloom, but we beat them two out of three. And the highlight of the season was John Means no-hitter, and we were all feeling a little giddy uh, at how, how good the Orioles were playing, mm-hmm. you know, and they had lost a couple tough games uh, where, you know, easily that 15-17 and 17 record uh, or 15 and 16 record could have been a few in in front of 500. Um, I never get that exercised about what teams you're playing because you've got to play all the teams. Right. Everybody has that. Uh, I just think that we've 
some of the problems with this rebuild have been exposed, and uh, most notably, uh, it's been sort of disappointing to watch Zach Lother uh, overall, his whole body of work, Dean Kramer, uh, while there have been a couple encouraging outings, uh, there have been more than enough bad outings. Um, the, the pitching, I'm very surprised it took a step, such a step back. I really was optimistic. I wasn't quite as optimistic as some that this bullpen was great, but I thought it was was you know an interesting grouping of guys. And then all of a sudden, Plutko and Fry suddenly had a couple bad outings, and the whole thing this you know it's like a horse you know the the wheels came off the cart all of a sudden, and it's not just one thing. And I think the Orioles right now unless they regroup pretty soon, they're in a mess of trouble. And, you know, by mess of trouble, we're talking about losing 110 games. You know, the Tigers have won four straight games. It looked like Mm. 10 days ago, it looked like we were in a different universe than the Tigers, you know. And now all of a sudden the Tigers have won four games in a row, and the Orioles have lost 11 out of 13. So it's, it's got a real ugly look right now. Uh, and I don't know exactly how it's going to come back uh, looking positive right now. And it's, uh, it's, I won't say it's a key moment of the, um, of the rebuild, but it was a moment we hoped would be like a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel than, boy, the darkness is come creeping back in. You mentioned Adam Pleco a minute ago, and he's a guy they, they made the small trade for, just basically cash considerations for the guy, and he's pitched well outside of a few recent outings for now. Um, yeah, he but great the first 10 outings, you know. Would you think they could do another small trade cash consideration just to get an arm in this bullpen because it's so depleted right now, um, or really an arm in the starting rotations? Or is there something else on the horizon you could see for that? No, I don't I don't. I, look, there's obviously the teams are going to move players, but I don't really see. I think everybody is looking for pitching right now, so True. I don't see. I don't see one of those deals that I go, "Hey, this is a good deal for us." You know, uh, what they have happening now is that Matt Harvey, who we hope, you know, it's like you have one or two outings that you're optimistic about somebody. And then you turn around and remember how pessimistic we were after Zimmerman's last couple starts. Then he went, he went and got adjusted, got his head on straight, and we hope that he pitches very well. I think it's today, right, against the Nats. Yeah, he's going today. He's pitching today. I mean, he looked brilliant the other day in relief, but Matt Harvey looks absolutely lost out there. You know, Matt Harvey, and it's really interesting, Matt Harvey. I'm looking at the Tigers right now. Remember Michael Fulmer when they picked him up from the Mets about four years ago? Yes. He, he, and he had that great season, and then he's had Tommy John surgery. All of a sudden, A.J. Hinch has said, hey, I'm going to try him. My bullpen stinks. I'm going to try him as a closer. Um, now, I'm not saying Matt Harvey would go right to closer over Cesar Valdez, but <clears throat> if you objectively look at Matt Harvey, he should be begging Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde to make him a relief pitcher. He has absolutely no chance when you look at the body of his work the last three years. He has no chance at ever making a decent paycheck in the major leagues as a starting pitcher for anybody. Yet, for an inning, he might be able to, to uh, you know, have enough in that tank 
to go out there two, three times a week and blow people away for an inning. Yeah, you you just you worry about robbing Peter to pay Paul because I, I I tend to agree with you. I think that he would. Be, I also think the same thing about Jorge Lopez. That they would be better in shorter stints coming out of the bullpen. But the Orioles have nobody to pitch in the rotation, even with those guys. You mentioned Zach Lowther. He got lit up in his lone start up here, and then he's been getting lit up down in Norfolk. Dean Kramer hasn't turned the corner. They don't have anybody, Stan, coming on the horizon. Yep. All of their best players in the minor leagues are a double-A or lower. They just lower, yep. they, they <laughs> just promoted Kyle Bradish up to triple-A. You don't know if he's coming here or not, but where is this help yeah, going to come they, from? They, they, should, they need somebody like out of nowhere to, to uh, you know, to, to show. You know, it's sort of like uh, the way Cedric Mullins played for the first 35 games. You know, uh, he was playing like an all-star, and suddenly uh, he, he has come back to earth. But they need to have somebody show up the way John Means did. Um, and and i got to be honest with you, I, I love the John Means story. That that losing that game the other night uh, that he had the five nothing lead on yeah. was just it just it just showed and I know he got hit in the back and all that stuff it just showed is he really is he really ace material because that was the game that let this thing spiral into what it is and you know I really think they're at a point right now that when he's not pitching. They're not confident that they can win. Well, you can see it. You, we talked about it last week that the team seems to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. They, there are There's no depth. life, no energy in this team. They, they, it seems like to me they're just going through the motions, coming out there every night, and hoping something's going to happen. It doesn't. You know, that's just what it seems it, to me. It's almost like they got that John Means no-hitter, and they said, well, that's it. That's <laughs> our highlight of the season. We're done. Uh, because right. they ha- they haven't been good since. It's been right. been really, really tough to watch. Now, the one person, the one player, Stan, that has been good is Trey Mancini. He's been absolutely on fire. He's coming. He's uh, 10 for 20 uh, since last Saturday. Three home runs, nine RBIs, six walks, uh, seven runs scored. Just having a hell of a week, a hell of a year. His average is up to 281 right now, leading the majors in RBIs. Uh, and you recently wrote in our Press Box print edition that Trey uh, you think he should be extended for four years, fifty plus million, but that he probably won't be. Uh, a, are the Orioles considering him as a trade candidate? And B, if they are, what does it say to a fan base that has fallen in love with this player that he could be traded, especially when there's no prospect knocking on the door to take his place at first base? Yeah, they're they're in a they're in a unusual circumstance there. You know, usually. The, the end result of good development is, is you bring up players that are really good, good players, and it's a, an added benefit when they're great people. And you've got that package in Trey Mancini. You've got that package. And uh, it just it would send such a poor message if Mancini is dealt away this season. So I don't know if they can they can take that kind of PR hit right now, uh, but but the the counter story to that is why aren't they you know again there's there, it's an organization that has some financial stress on it right now they they're fumbling through the Chris Davis I mean to kind of announce that he's missing a whole season and then throw in the caveat 
but he's going to be ready for spring training next year. Boy, that's really something that makes you feel optimistic <laughs> about the Orioles. You know, um, it's kind of sad. And they're in this odd situation where I don't know what they can sort of spend and put on the books. But, you know, again, Mancini's a realist. Uh, and if suddenly during this season you hit him up with an offer in the 45 or $50 million range, then it's, up, then it's on him to say, nah, I'm an $80 million guy, you know, for six or seven years. I'm an $80, $90 million guy. Or does somebody who's suffered through what he's suffered through uh, say, you know something, I better not look a gift horse in the mouth. Uh, $50 million right now for four years sounds pretty damn good to ensure that I'm going to be taken care of, you know, in my life. Um, so to me, it's, it would be a no-brainer. I'm sure there are other, other circumstances that weigh heavily on this organization right now. And it's a, it's an unfortunate uh, it's an unfortunate position the fans are in. They're they're left rooting for a team that doesn't doesn't appear to be all in on the major league level right now. You know, and we look we understand that, but this would be a really hard hit to see them deal Trey Mancini for yet again three prospects. You know that you you suddenly start going are they you know i i i just uh and believe me there'll be no shortage of teams that want trey mancini absolutely now the, the next question then stan uh you you mentioned the fan base look this is year three of the rebuild and we understand that but it's the fifth straight year of losing baseball in baltimore and this is a fan base that has watched 25 losing seasons since 1986 i believe it is or 19 no since their last world series win in, in 1983 they've had 25 losing seasons uh, this is at what point is this rebuild kind of getting to the, to the point where the, the the fans can say hey enough is enough put a winning product on the field. Because, look, five straight years of losing, um, not putting emphasis on winning, it's wearing on me, man. It's wearing on me, and, and, and I am have as mm-hmm. much of a positive outlook for the future of this team as anybody, but I, I'm tired of watching losing baseball. When can the fans say, all right, enough is enough? Well, um, I think I think they've, they've sort of, you know, that's the tricky thing right now to me, guys. You know, I kind of understand a little bit about PR and sales. You know, they had this, they had the pandemic, which was a built-in reason to keep attendance at a lower level. And it sounds good when you got an 11,000 sellout, but the bottom line is if 45,000 seats were allowed to be sold, you wonder how many more seats would be sold than the 11,000. And I thought it was just unusual for the Orioles, and I realized they are, let's, let's be blunt, after the last two, two and a half years, they are cash-starved right now. But to jump back to 100% capacity on June 1st, I thought it's just a bad, it's bad from a, a marketing standpoint, because to me, and again, maybe I'm totally wrong, and there'll be crowds of 30,000 every night, I don't sense that people are going to want to watch this team play baseball at those kind of levels that you needed to announce that you're 
you're going to have a full stadium uh, allowed again. I think they could have looked a little proactive by announcing, hey, June to July, we're going to allow 25,000, and maybe there'll be an announcement in mid-June, mid to late June, that we're going to up it to 40,000 or 35,000. But to jump it all the way up, I think it's going to expose what you're talking about is a lot of people are turned off with the, the product right now on the field. But the one thing that gives me still, I don't want to blast the organization, is that I do. It, unlike when Peter was running the team back in the late 90s and the wheels came off the cart and the team went through, what, 14 straight losing seasons, yeah. there was no sense that there was even a plan in place then. The plan seemed to be, uh, who's the aging free agent we can get? Oh, we can get Sammy mm-hmm. Sosa. You know, uh, we can get, uh, I, I forget some of the guys they brought in. But it was always sort of a story of who they could bring in that was going to help the team. Whereas this team clearly is all in on all cylinders, uh, you know, on this rebuild. And it's just not happening as fast as we'd like. And in fairness to Mike Elias and John Angelos and the team, the, the pandemic probably had something to do with that. You know, we might be looking right, right about now, we might be looking at the debut of Adlai Rutschman, you know, as, as the exciting story. And we're probably now a full year away from that, you know, probably. at least. Yeah. Probably because so. he hasn't really hit the ground running in Bowie as no, of yet. He, he hasn't hit the ground running, and some of that has to do with how your regular competition has been. Sam, that's gonna do it for us with time today. We gotta get we gotta All get right. a break in. But Tell look, guys, I said hello, please. All right, absolutely. And we'll talk to you next week. In a couple of months. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Take it easy. And that was Stan the Fan Charles joining us here in the Ch- on the line here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker in the world of sports. This week... Stan and Ross chatted with the Orioles legend Boog Powell while Stan and uh, Gary called up with Towson women's basketball coach Diane Richardson. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up on Monday night at 6. I don't have that. I'll figure it out. Uh, Until then, Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go go to C3America.com for a free analysis. we got to get a break. When we come back, Craig Heist will be on to talk about the Nationals. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. 
It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate you Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Dickie V. Dick Vitale. Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandy. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens 2020 draft class in their second season. Press box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Batteron, coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. We're supposed to have Craig Heist on the line. Um, I texted him this morning to remind him, didn't get a response back, and uh, his phone is going straight to voicemail. So uh, unless Zach can get him on the line here, and Zach, try a couple more times while I, I talk some of this, um, some nationals here. Uh, I'll just talk about what we were going to talk about with Craig and it's look the Nationals beat the Orioles 4 to 2 last night it gave Steven Strasburg his first win since the World Series in 2019 uh 5 and 2 thirds shutout innings All right Zach he ha- we have Craig Heist on the line we get, we were able to get him All right 
Craig, you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Doing well, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining the program today, and we were just starting to get into it. Look, the uh, the Nationals beat the Orioles 4-2 to two last night. Uh, Steven Strasburg, he picked up his first win since the World Series in 2019 with five and two-thirds shutout innings. My question for you, Craig, is how much stock do you put into his start considering who he was facing last night? And that's an Orioles team that's, at, that's scoring less than four runs a game over the last two weeks and has lost 11 of 13. Well, it's still a major league team, and when you sure. stop to think about you know the fact that he had been out and hadn't pitched since mid-April. Uh, I think that uh, you can take a little bit out of it. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, he, he threw the ball pretty well for the first four innings. I thought in the fifth inning uh, you could see him tire a little bit. And uh, the velocity came down just a tad. Uh, and and he had some trouble controlling, uh, you know, the off-speed stuff. He was pulling off the ball. Uh, but then in the sixth inning, uh, he got one out, and then uh, when he did uh, come up with his fourth walk, that's when Davey Martinez decided to yank him at uh, 72 pitches, and I think that that was probably the end of the line. But, uh, you know, you, you look at what he did last night, and, and I thought it was a, a real good start for his first time back. And uh, they're going to need him the rest of the way. There's no question about it. If they want to get their season turned around, and going in the right direction. I know. I saw him shaking his hand a little bit, especially right there in that fifth inning. Uh, you could definitely see Strasburg shaking around a little bit. Is that something that is is coming from a past injury? Is that something that the, the Nats should be worried about at all? I don't think it's anything to worry about. I mean, I think it's just a matter of not being out there for you know the amount of time that he was down and uh, with the shoulder and and when he. When he got back out there, I, I just think that, uh, you know, there was nothing really wrong with his outing for four innings, and then I just think he got gassed a little bit in in the middle part of the inning, so uh, in, in the middle part of the game. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think uh, from the Nats' perspective, they look at it, and, you know, Davey looks at it like uh, they got a real good start out of him his first time back. He's uh, he, he, he's back. He's going to help a rotation that has uh, – you know, obviously Max Scherzer pitching very well. Patrick Corbin is, looks like he's gotten back on track a little bit. Now, John Lester's 0-2, but his ERA, and you're going to see him today, uh, his ERA is, is 3.67. You know, so from that standpoint, uh, they got to score him some runs. You know, the, the bottom line with this team uh, is the fact that, you know, you look at the statistics – they not much unlike the Orioles to some degree in the sense that they lead the National League in batting average, but they're second to last along with the Mets in scoring runs. So uh, that's got to change if this team, you know, offensively, that's got to change if this team is going to do what they wanted to do, uh, which is, you know, contend for the uh, National League East title. But you, you look at what they've done for the first month and a half, and they've just had troubles, you know, runners in scoring position, and they were 5 for 15 last night. That's not real good. Uh, you know, the fact that they're not scoring a whole bunch of runs, that's not real good. So it's been kind of hit and miss. When their pitching's been on, they haven't scored a lot of runs. And when they have scored some runs, uh, you know, they've, they've had issues with their pitching. And certainly Joe Ross has regressed a little bit from what he's done early in the year. They've got Eric Fetty on COVID list right now, uh, so it'll be a while, you know, at least another week and a half before they get him back. So, 
Again, they've got to weather the storm. I don't think anything's anybody's going to run away with that division. And I, I say that because you know you keep hearing the mantra. Well, you know, think back to nineteen when they were nineteen and thirty-one, and they won the and they won the World Series. Well, this isn't nineteen again, and uh, you know the the the, the fact the, the only difference is when they were nineteen and thirty-one in twenty nineteen. They were also 12 games out of first place. Well, they're not 12 games out of first place. They're four and a half out. And, uh, you know, I, I know the Mets were in extra innings last night. I don't know what that score wound up being. But, you know, you're looking at five or six games in the loss column. The situation's much different this year than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, they're uh... – and look, the the Nationals they have a pretty a pretty decent set of games coming up here. Last night was the first game of 16 straight, Craig, against teams that are currently below 500. Uh, and like you mentioned, they're only four and a half games back. I do believe the Mets went on to win uh, that yeah. that ball game last night. Oh uh, yeah, they went on to win six to five in 12 innings. But look, the, the Nationals are going to play 16 straight games against sub 500 teams. They might and not... at home too. Yeah, you know, they, they, they they might be the last part of that. It's probably going to be on the road. But right now they started a homestand, which is going to be uh, three teams coming into town running through next weekend. So this is the time where you could turn your season around if you play really well at home over the next week to 10 days. So. You know, from that standpoint, I think the Nationals have a chance to do some damage here, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I think there's some positive signs to look at. you got Bell and Schwarber, who were certainly off to a horrific start uh, offensively, uh, now starting to hit the baseball. And, uh, you know, the, they, a couple of nights ago, it was the second night at Wrigley where they homered in the same game. That's the second time that's happened in the last two weeks. Josh Bell's on a little bit of a tear now. He's got the average up over 200, uh, or right about at 200. Uh, so that was at 134 at one point just about six, seven days ago. So he's starting to hit. Schwarber's starting to hit. Trey Turner at the top of the lineup. It's ironic what we're talking about, kind of getting everybody to mesh at the same time. Here's a guy that went over five last night, but you, you look at what he's done throughout the course of – uh, the first seven weeks of this season, and he's in the top five in most offensive categories in the National League. So uh, he's playing really good baseball. They just got to get it together where everybody's kind of on the same page at the same time. Well, yeah, and you mentioned Josh Bell had a three-hit game last night. He's been batted, he's batted 370 over the last week to raise his average to 195. How important right. for this lineup is it for him to get going? He was their big ticket free agent in the offseason, or not free agent, but trade uh, trade in the offseason. Well, those were the two big big ones, him and Schwarber, because obviously after they won the World Series in 19, they've been looking for a bat uh, to replace Anthony Rendon in the middle of that lineup. Uh, it's, it, it's very important for the two of those guys uh, to hit and produce runs uh, wherever they're hitting, whether it's 3-4, whether it's 4-5, depending on what lineup Davey Martinez throws out there. But uh, uh, you, you really need those two guys to, to be the centerpiece of it all. And, I mean, Josh Harrison got off to a real good start, but he's kind of cooled down a little bit. Jan Gomes uh, has been pretty steady the entire year. You can't argue with what he's done. Victor Robles uh, started in the leadoff spot. They wanted to experiment with that to take a look at it. 
but then he regressed, and now he's back down at the bottom of the lineup and has been for about three weeks now. And, uh, you know, they, they, they want to see if they can get him on track, but right now he's dealing with a little bit of a twisted ankle, which happened the other night in Chicago. X-rays were negative, but he's been out on the lineup the last two days. We'll see what it looks like today when we get to the ballpark. But, you know, it's it's just a matter of consistency right now with this offense and uh you know it hasn't been there they got to turn it around because you know while i think the pitching is going to be fine in the long run you still you still need to you still need to score runs on a consistent basis and and they've just not done that so far the first five six weeks of the season and uh you know i don't think anybody's going to run away with this division i know the phillies are playing pretty well right now the mets have played pretty well, but again, it's not like you're out of anything uh, just being four and a half games out of first place. Oh, certainly not. They're certainly in better position right now than they were in 2019, and you mentioned the pitching. Corbin has a 324 ERA and 25 innings pitched in four May starts. Lester has been mostly good with that 380 ERA. Strasburg is back. Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. So, look, like, they have the horses to get this thing going and make a run here, especially with the easy schedule that they're facing here over the next two and a half weeks. Now, you're talking about the offense and how they need to get going. Ryan Zimmerman's batting 301 this year after his pinch hit single last night. <laughs> but he has just 73 at-bats. A, Craig, is he okay with the role that he's playing on this team? Because I feel like he should be playing more. And B, when the Nationals are starved for offense as far as scoring runs, how do they justify giving such few at-bats to one of the two guys on their team that's batting over 300? Well, I think, I think number one, it's funny that you mention that, and, and here's why. In spring training, Ryan kept telling everybody, you know, if if I could – if I could play and have this role all the time, uh, I could probably play another four or five years, and and I don't doubt that. Uh, but you know, and I am still of a believer, and I've always said this that if you could keep him healthy, uh, and obviously that's been an issue throughout his career, but if you could keep him healthy like he was for the most part in 2019. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman, to me, with the proper maintenance, is still a 20-home run guy uh, and an 80-85 to RBI guy. And he is certainly proving his worth each and every time, number one, when he's played for Josh Bell at first base, and number two, coming off the bench like he did last night. And he winds up, uh, he winds up what turns out to be scoring a pretty big run late in the ballgame after he... Uh, and, you know, after he let off, uh, you know, with the uh, pinch hit, uh, you know, hit that he had, and and he winds up coming around on uh, on the, on the Adiel Hernandez hit. So uh, I just think, you know, it's great that he's being used the way he's been used, but every time he gets a chance so far this year to do something or to play, he's produced, and uh, that's just Ryan Zimmerman being Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, it, it certainly would bode, bode well for them, I think, to have him in the lineup more regularly. But you also did get Josh Bell to play first base. There's not a universal DH. I think he'd have maybe double the at-bats if there was a universal DH, which is something that will probably come up in the CBA this right. coming and, offseason. And, and he's going to, you know, Davey's going to spell Josh every now and then at first base. And, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll see Ryan play either today. Well, you know, there's a good possibility he could play today with Bruce Zimmerman on the hill, the lefty. Uh, you know, it, it is certainly a possibility. So we'll see what the lineup looks like when we get to the ballpark. 
Yeah, uh, and it would bode well for them for uh, for him to still be in the lineup and be productive. That's for sure. Now, again, this team is not out of anything. I think they're poised to make a run. I picked them to win the division because uh, I thought that they had the best pitching in in the National League East. Maybe sends the Braves. Um, the trade deadline's coming up in about two and a half months. Do you see this team as buyers at the deadline? And if so, uh, what type of player are they going to go after? Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, how, how they're how they're doing offensively at the time. Will, will they go out and get another bat? But, but, but more than anything, I think the, you know Mike Rizzo is always looking for pitching depth and pitching help. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did anything that they went in that direction. But uh, uh, I think it's way, way too early to even be looking at that at this point. Uh, you, you know, let's see how some of this shakes down say in a month a month and a half and then you can determine whether or not you need some pieces or whether you want to get rid of some pieces uh but but i don't look for this team to be a seller at the deadline at all uh and 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 certainly you know rizzo's always done what he feels is best at that deadline to go out and try to strengthen the ball club so if anything that's where i would look for him uh uh, to probably be operating is is to try to strengthen the club. Now, you know, uh, I'm not going to worry too much about Brad Hand at this point, but he gave up the he gave up the two run homer in the ninth last night, uh, and probably three of his last four outings have not been real good. Uh, so he's uh, after 24 straight save chances that he had converted. He's trying to find some things, whether it's mechanically or uh, whatever his issue is, to try to work on it. Uh, but but fortunately, you know, when he came into the game last night, he had the four nothing lead as opposed to uh, you know having it been a, a, a safe situation. So uh, it's you know again, uh, even though even though you had Schwarber and Bell do the damage early on, you know you needed. Juan Soto's base hit for the RBI. You needed Yadier Hernandez, uh, you know, last night. So, uh, again, uh, you know, Brad Hand's got to figure out what's going on because, uh, you know, he's supposed to be their closer, and he's been a good one for a while. uh, But right now, struggling a little bit to try to find it. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because the bullpen is a top 10 unit in baseball right now. They've thrown the fourth fewest innings in the majors uh, out of that relief core. Are they good enough, Craig, to keep pace in the National League? No, oh, I think so. I think so. You look at what Daniel Hudson's doing right now. His numbers are just ungodly off the charts. And with the way he's thrown, and I'm talking about, number one, his fastball, 98-99 with movement, conviction, uh, and and he has just done yeoman's work out of that bullpen. Uh, I think they they really like Kyle Finnegan. Uh, you, you know, Tanner Rainey's on COVID right now, but here's a guy, if he can control his fastball, uh, we've seen what he can do in the past. Uh, you know, Sam Clay, the lefty, uh, he's done a nice job uh, for the most part, but I, I think there are arms last night. You know, once Strauss left after five and a third, uh, you know, they, they were shut out and lights out pretty much this, right up until Brad Ann came into game. So, I think there's enough there, and yeah, I know you're talking about the Orioles and how much they're they're struggling offensively to try to score runs, but uh, you know they've been they've been doing it and getting it done 
uh, a good portion of the first part of this season. So, again, they're, they're not going to be perfect every time, but I think there's enough out there for, for, for Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez to be able to not have any problems confidence-wise when they go to that bullpen. So it's no secret that the Nats farm system is is one of the bottom farm systems in the league. Uh, you could rank them, you know, 29, maybe 30. And the Fredericksburg Nationals, they're 115 to start the year. You've got a guy like Carter Keboom who's not really lighting it up right now at AAA. If the Nationals are going to need reinforcements down the road here at any time soon, how are they going to do it? What's, what's the plan for them? Because as we know with the Orioles, they don't have a lot of uh, talent at the top tier of their minor league system. How will the Nationals continue to replenish throughout the year? Well, they have to do it, with, well, number one, through the draft, number two, through acquisitions. Again, uh, you, you just you, you try to stay, I think, to the same game plan that they've always had uh, in terms of young talent and, and putting it in a minor league system. And that's uh, number one. It starts with pitching. You can never have enough of it. And the philosophy of this team has always been good, strong, live arms uh, and, and guys who throw the heck out of the baseball. And I think that's the way they're always going to go, as long as Mike Rizzo's in charge. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not completely in tune with what's going on at the minor league level with, these, with this team. Uh, but... I, I do know that if the blueprint is the same as it has been down through the years, Mike Rizzo is going to go out there and try to find power arms, uh, especially bullpen arms, uh, that, that will help this team win. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what the future brings, but that, that's usually the way they go and the way they handle things. Well, yeah, and the Nationals are certainly a successful franchise, having won a World Series in the last two years. So it's something where the farm system is usually not great when the teams are winning at the major league level because you're not you're not picking very high in the draft. Uh, Craig, that's going to do it for our segment today. Thanks so much for coming on. Always a joy to talk with you. And Stan told me to tell you he said hello because he hasn't talked to you in a couple months. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> tell him, tell him I said hello too. All right, absolutely. You have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. All right, guys, take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was Craig Heist joining us. He used to co-host this show pretty frequently when Stan was uh, was running things here, so I always like to try and get Craig on here, especially yeah. when the Orioles play the Nationals, because he's a really good guy and really knowledgeable about both the Orioles and the Nationals. So For sure. always love having him on the program in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Just want to remind you, every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash Radio. You never know who might uh, pop up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with former Ravens offensive coordinator Marty Mortenwig, uh, Orioles prospect Pat Dorian, Preakness winning trainer Michael McCarthy, Loyola, Loyola lacrosse coach Charlie Toomey, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Before we get our break, I did find out that on Monday night at 8, not 6, uh, Stan and... Um, Stan and Ross Grimsley will be having Mike Bordick on their program. So that mm, is okay. Monday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, so you won't want to miss that here at Press Box Sports. we got to get a break. When we come back, uh, the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Bat Around, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, as we do every week here on the Bat Around, every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 12, with yours truly, Paul Valley, and my co-host Zach Goodman. And now it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Freddie Galvis homered and Jorge Lopez became just a second Orioles starter in the last week to make it out of the fourth inning. But the Nationals got five and two-thirds shutout innings from Steven Strasburg, while Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber combined for five hits and three doubles to lead the Nationals over the Orioles four to two. The Red Sox had five batters tally multi-hit games, and Rafael Devers and Christian Vasquez drove in three runs apiece to lead the Red Sox over the Phillies eleven to three. This next one's a mouthful. In the first game in the modern era to feature both starting pitching, st- both starting pitchers striking out 10 or more batters with zero runs allowed and zero walks allowed, the Yankees stole the show when they accomplished two of the most exciting plays in baseball in the ninth inning last night, getting Andrew Vaughn to ground into a 5-4-3 triple play in the top half and then grabbing a walk-off victory on Glaber Torres' single in the bottom half to beat the White Sox 2-1. Torres... Drove in the other run with a solo home run in that game. Jordan Montgomery struck out 11 over 7 shutout innings for the Yankees, while Carlos Rodon, in his comeback year, struck out 13 over 6 shutout innings for the White Sox. Jesse Winker hit three home runs to steal the show as the Reds defeated the Brewers 9-5. Former Oriole Brad Brock made his Reds debut, striking out two in a hitless, scoreless inning of work. The Twins scored nine runs in the fourth inning to back Randy Dobnak's six scoreless inning, shutting out Cleveland 10 to nothing. Indians pitching issued nine walks while also striking out 13 batters in the loss. That's a lot of pitches. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the add-on. Uh, Marcus Stroman threw six solid innings, but took Khalil Lee's first big league hit and the RBI in the twelfth inning, along with a Fargus triple for the Mets to hold off Miami six to five. The Marlins used ten pitchers in the ballgame, eight of whom threw one inning. Seven players recorded multi-hit games and four recorded three-hit games, while Ronald Acuna Jr. and Nahiri Adrianzo each mashed grand slams among the Braves' seven home runs to crush the Pirates 20-1. to Ouch. Brendan Lau homered twice, and the Rays scored seven or more runs for the sixth straight game, but it was Francisco Mejia who played the hero for Tampa Bay as his 12th inning grand slam lifted the Rays over the Blue Jays 9-7. to Vlad Guerrero Jr. homered twice and drove in four in the loss. Adolis Garcia drove in five runs, including three on his walk-off home run in the 10th to lead the Rangers over the red-hot Astros 7-5. Miguel Cabrera turned back the clock with two homers and five RBIs. His big blow was seventh inning grand slam to turn the 5-3 deficit into a 7-5 lead, a score that would hold up as the Tigers beat the Royals 7-5. The Cubs scored eight runs on six hits in the eighth inning to back Kyle Hendricks' solid outing, turning a one-run game into a nine-run game as the Cubs beat the Cardinals 12-3. Ryan McMahon homered twice, and Herman Marquez tossed seven shutout innings as the Rockies hammered the Diamondbacks 7-1. Ramon Laureano homered and tallied four knocks, while Chad Pinder drove in three with a homer of his own to lead the Athletics over the Angels 8-4. Mike Yastrzemski threw out Trevor Bauer at first on a would-be base hit to right field, but it was Bauer who got the last laugh, allowing one earned run in six in the third innings with 11 strikeouts to pick up his fifth win as the Dodgers down the Giants 2-1. It was the Dodgers' fifth straight win and ninth in their last 10 games, snapping a Giants four-game winning streak. And finally, Jake Cronenworth and Fernando Tatis combined for five hits, 
two home runs, and nine RBIs to lead the scorching hot Padres to their seventh straight win, 16-1 over the Mariners to pull into a first-place tie with San Francisco. Zach Goodman, what do you got for us on the slate today? All right. I like that little uh, turn-back-the-clock thing you did right there. It's a good, good little segment. Um, 1 p.m., Chai Sox and the Yankees. They'll have a marquee matchup. Dylan Cease and Garrett Cole on the mound. That's 1 p.m. At 3 p.m., the Diamondbacks are at Coors Field. They'll battle the Rockies. At 4 p.m., Game 2 of the Beltway Series, Bruce Zimmerman and the Vet John Lester for the Orioles and the Nationals. The Astros are only a stone's throw away from their ballpark as they'll take on the Texas Rangers. The Tigers and the Royals will go to war as the Vet Matt Boyd takes on the young Brady Singer. The Twins will battle the Indians as Maeda squares off against Shane Bieber. That's a good pitching matchup there, too. Uh, the 18-win Pirates, they'll visit Truist Park and the 21-win Braves. The N- There's an NL East matchup between the Mets and the Marlins. Pablo, Pablo Lopez takes the hill. Uh, Willie Adamas' new team, the Brewers, they're in Cincinnati to face the Reds. At 7 p.m., the ace Walker Bueller tries to let the Dodgers keep up with the Giants in that division. The Cubs, they're at Bush Stadium to va- battle the vet, Miles My- Michaelis. Uh, flamethrower Nate Evaldi takes on Spencer Howard, who is an 8 0.31 ERA this year in a Phillies-Red Sox interleague matchup. The Rays' Shane McClanahan takes on Robbie Ray in Florida for the Rays and the Jays. At 8.40, two lefties take the hill for the Mariners and the Padres in Weathers and Sheffield. Finally, the last game of the night, it's the A's in Anaheim to face the underachieving Los Angeles and Mike Troutless, Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, they're going to be Mike Troutless for about two months. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, with, with that strained calf. They, they are underachieving, though. Like This team uh, should be... You, you have Otani, Rendon, and Trout. And you're just not winning. Like I, I don't get how it's possible. Bundy's ERA is above six. Yeah, uh, Alex Cobb's ERA is right around five. Their bullpen is terrible. Uh, they don't do anything. They add offense, offense, yeah. offense, yeah. and they don't do anything else. They got a reliever this pa- I want to say this past week from the Rays. Uh, if you remember the name, I don't remember the I, name. I but don't pay attention they, they, enough to the Angels to know. They did make a trade with the Rays to add to the bullpen, but outside of that, they haven't done too much. Well, and, and now that they're missing Trout, it's... Oh, man. So I came up with, by the way, this is so stupid, and Laura's going to hate me for saying this on the air because it was such a stupid joke. But I, they were t- I was listening to Ken Carmen while leaving this show during the offseason, and he was talking about how they don't market, um, market their players. T- baseball doesn't market its most popular players. Nope. And I was like, man... And I thought that Andre, this was before Andrelton Simmons left the team uh, in free agency. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't they just have a a commercial for the Angels where you have Mike Trout and Tim Salmon, one of the most popular players and yep. one of the best players in franchise history, standing in this ju- in this little pond as these big fish, Trout and Salmon. And then Andrelton Simmons comes up and they're like, what are you doing here? And he goes, Andrelton Swimmins. And they just kind of look at him. You hear crickets, and then he swims off. Or then they, then they swim off. I thought it was a brilliant commercial idea. I mean, we might want to pitch this one. Is this like MLB or who's this for? Like, is this just an MLB commercial? I guess it would be for like something that you would see on MLB Network. But Andrelton Simmons would have to still be on the team, and he's not. So the swimming joke goes right out the window. Here's but, the here's the problem with Mike Trout and the ads, though. He's doing Subway commercials while there's a literal sub company called Jersey Mike's. Like, that's perfect. He's from Jersey, and his name's Mike. Yeah. There's well, the, you know, Subway's... Mark, the MLB marketing is not not Sub, in the right spot. Subway probably has more money. Even though Jersey Mike's is far it's, superior. There's a very big quality difference. It, the, Jersey Mike's is far superior. I heard a rumor, and I'm not trying to disparage Subway because they're... they're their Subway sandwiches are delicious. But I, I heard a rumor that all their meat starts out as turkey, and then they just turn it into the other stuff. But that was years ago. I don't know. Anyway, I also <laughs> had another commercial idea just for for uh, S's and gigs. Um, I'm ready. I'm, I'm listening. Uh, 
another MLB Network commercial that they should do. Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge are freakishly huge. Mm-hmm. Right? They're mm-hmm. six seven and six foot eight. These dudes, they should have both of these guys standing side by side amongst the New York skyline. Ooh. Yeah, just, like, just standing there. We do like a little camera trick and just have them standing in front of the skyline. Yeah, make, yeah, ma- just, make them look like the same size like yeah, the Empire them, State Building. Make them look, stand there amongst these other buildings looking like skyscrapers. You are missing a golden opportunity. You have the two biggest players in the yeah. league and they're it, playing in New York, a city built of skyscrapers. And you don't have a commercial of them being skyscrapers, standing next to each other, and being able to see into the distance and see all their foes <laughs> coming. It's It writes itself. I mean, it's it's not a bad idea. I mean, maybe you should be pitching TV shows instead I of being should, on this I'm show. I'm wasting my my, my uh, TV shows, my commercials, movies. I mean, uh, Laura Paul Valley does it all. Laura thought that both of these were terrible ideas, <laughs> and um, she just, I, I she that, laughed at me for how stupid they were. But I thought they were freaking I mean, you, brilliant. You, we got you got any time? Because we yeah, if you've got more, that, those are the only. I, I want to hear them. I'm sure I can come up with more for next week's show if our <laughs> if our listeners even care. I mean, look, what if we had like a giant baseball come out of the skyline and, and Aaron Judge is swinging, hitting a massive baseball over you know over New York City? I mean, pretty pretty sick, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like pretty awesome. Like like when Mars attacks and they're standing there and there's <laughs> these giant scar- skyscrapers and they grab like they reach over and grab the space needle from. <laughs> From uh, like Godzilla, Seattle, not, or, the, or, not the, or that big tower from Toronto, and they use it as a bat, and they knock the, yeah, the UFO. It, anyway, I mean, that'd be incredible. What is, what is happening here? What are we doing? I, anyway, anyway, Orioles banter down on the farm. Thanks for indulging my whims uh, to here on the bat around today. Kind of uh, not a, not a lot of sleep last night, so I might be a little bit delirious. Uh, look, the Aberdeen Ironbirds last night were the only affiliate to win. But there is still plenty to be excited about, so we're going to start with a negative, of course. Uh, the Norfolk Tides are three and thirteen, when they can't seem to find an answer on offense or on the mound. However, Mason McCoy is batting two ninety six, nice, playing nice. third base. Catchers Brett Cumberland and Austin Winds are batting three fifteen and three fourteen, respectively. Jemai Jones still injured. Um, Yusniel Diaz still injured. These are the two guys that could help the Orioles, but they're on the yeah. injured list right now. It's rough. So we're waiting for them to get back. Pitching has been absolutely atrocious down there, but there are some guys who are playing well. Mason McCoy, Brett Cumberland, Austin wins to name a few. Yeah. Uh, the Bowie Bay Sox are 8-2 over their last 10 games, but with their loss last night, dropped to a half game behind Erie in the South Northeast-Southwest Division. That's a mouthful. Adley Rutschman batting just 218, but he has a 403 on base percentage and an OPS above 820. Um, not the batting average you want from your number one uh, yeah, overall pick. Yeah, it's, it's low. But it's... He started slow with Aberdeen too, and then the next thing yeah, you know, he, he has he a five-hit game. He hits three fifty-three yes. over his last something like that over his last ten games and gets promoted. And do you blame him? I mean, the the, the pressure of the world is put on this guy's shoulders yeah. every night. I mean, it's constantly Adley Rutschman, Adley Rutschman. Nobody else gets talked about it, Bowie. So that's why. I mean, and, it and makes he, sense. He hit a really big home run. He did uh, off the his other, face the, the other day, off his own face on the scoreboard. He didn't hit it with his face. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be even more incredible. It was. There's it, another commercial idea. Why not? Right. 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 Adley Rutschman hits home runs with his face. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. I don't know. Um, but he he hit. It was a it was a big home run because they were down uh, nine to six, and that it was a two run homer that made it nine to eight. They ended up tying the game, and they ended up um, walking off the yeah. uh, a victory. I think it was in eleven or twelve innings in that game. One, they won it thirteen to twelve, I believe. Uh, so the, Bo- the Bay Sox are playing well. Rutschman leading the way. Taron Vavra, he was a key piece mm-hmm. in that Michael Givens trade with Colorado last summer. He's batting three twenty three and showing some pop. Patrick Dorian, he had a sixth home run last night. He has seventeen RBIs, has more walks and strikeouts, sporting a four seventy six OBP. He's also boasting a twelve forty two OPS. Patrick. 
story and coming out of nowhere. Talk about the Orioles' need for third base help. Um, yeah. He's having a really, really strong season. I mean, how, 298. how far off from the majors can he be? I mean, he's a 24-year-old. He hasn't played, obviously, at AAA yet, so that's a problem. He's going to get a call-up this he, year. He's, he's not he's spending gotta, the, he's he's not, If he continues at this pace, he's not spending the whole they, year why not? What's the Orioles? What do the Orioles have to lose by doing that? If he's if he's performing at AA, and then if you move him to AAA, why not let Especially this guy get a shot? Especially if Mason McCoy gets promoted to right. the big league level and gets some run. He'll be Patrick Dorian yeah. will get promoted to at least AAA this year. D.L. Hall, he's a big name in that Bowie rotation uh, with a 3.75 ERA and 23 Ks in 12 innings. But Kyle Bradish, who just got promoted, like you said, he did. up to AAA Norfolk, uh, he came over in that Dylan Bundy trade. He's yet to allow a run in three starts, covering 13 and two-thirds innings. And he has 20 stri- 26 strikeouts to lead the team. That's about two strikeouts per inning. The Orioles are going to win this Dylan Bundy trade by Kyle Bradish alone. Then you add in Kyle Brinovich, Zach Peake, uh, Zach Peak, uh, and then Isaac Matson is at major league level. So that's Z- Zach Peake pitched last night too, and, he was, did. and was pretty was pretty formidable. good. Yeah. Um, Ofelki Peralta. Really good uh, for Frederick. Uh, really good for Del Marva. He struck out nine over four innings while allowing two unearned runs last night to lower his R- his ERA to two twenty five in the Bay Sox loss. He has nineteen strikeouts, more than a strikeout per inning. He's looked pretty good, pretty solid, yeah. and quietly for that Bowie Bay Sox team. Ironbirds, they're ten and six, and they're leading high A the high A East North Division by two games. Um, Grayson Rodriguez, he made his fourth start last night. He tossed six innings of one-hit ball. That one hit was a solo home run. He struck out eight and walked none to pick up his second win and lower his ERA to 147. This kid has 31 strikeouts and a .71 whip. Is that good? In 18 <laughs> in the third innings pitch. Um, Mark Viviano compared him to what Dylan Bundy did at Del Marva. Mm-hmm. Um, Del Marva was uh, low A. The Ironbirds yep. are high A. But what he's doing, he's go- he's going to get. He's not going to stay down there very long. No, I expect it, to see it, him. In that Bowie rotation sooner rather than later, I couldn't believe that he started. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure he should have been there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that was I, a questionable I, decision in I the thought, first place. I thought that he and DL Hall were basically on the same timeline, and they were yeah. both gonna. DL Hall's been here a little bit longer, but you you hear the Grace Rodriguez might be a little more polished. I look at DL Hall as a guy who probably makes his. Oh, actually, not probably for sure makes his debut in 2021. And then, you know, maybe a late 2021, or 2022, I should say, call up for, I'm still living in the year 2020, apparently, yeah. but uh, a 2022 like DL Hall debut, and then a 20, late 2022 DL, uh, debut for, for Grayson Rodriguez. So they're almost on the same timeline, but maybe just a few months separated. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see both of them pitching in the same on the same in the same rotation at some point this year, whether it's a double A, whether it's a triple A, whether uh, they're both going to be in the same rotation. Yeah, they, they have to be soon. And if if you add Grayson Rodriguez that buoy rotation, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Maybe Kyle Bradish is making that spot for him. I don't know. You know, going up to he, he might. Uh, uh, the way that these three guys have been pitching, it's been absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Um, Kyle Stowers, he had two hits for the Ironbirds last night. Drove in his team leading 14th run. Toby Welk, who again. Third straight week, I'm going to mention that he has the Ironbirds all-time single-season batting average record, but now they're high A. He got to start at first base last night, reached base mm. twice. Um, he's batting 278, while Johnny Reiser reached base twice and scored twice, but somehow saw his batting average drop to 342 with his 1-for-3 performance. And then the, the Delmarva Shorebirds, this is arguably the most exciting team in the entire um Organization, yeah, uh, they were doubled up last night by the Carolina Mudcats, uh, fourteen to seven. But eleven and five, they're just a game back in the Low A East North Division. Gunnar Henderson continues to absolutely rake. He went two for five last night with his fifth home run. All of them Apo tacos. Uh, Crazy. He has, 
He has 20 RBIs. They're the most in the in low A East and tied for third most in all of minor league baseball. He's batting 310 with a 1026 OPS. Only has eight walks. You want to see a little bit more than that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Westberg. If you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to what this dude is doing, yeah. he was the Orioles' uh, CBA pick, uh, taking 30th overall in 2020. He went two for four for his seventh straight multi-hit game. Wow. Uh, seven straight. Multi-hit performances, raising his average to 392, which is second in the division for any player with at least 30 at-bats. And he has an 11.03 OPS. Uh, you, we got we got to get a, a title on lines to do that while I, while I finish up here. Uh, Anthony Servideo, I'm still not comfortable saying his name like that, but Anthony Servideo, uh, the Orioles' third-round pick in 2020, he has 21 walks, walked more than he struck out. He's only hitting 200, but he has a 476 on on-base percentage, so that bodes well for his future. And then Hudson Haskin, the Orioles' second-round pick in 2020. He's batting 315 with seven stolen bases, not walking as much as you'd like, and he's striking out. I think he has two walks to his 14 strikeouts, but 315 with seven stolen bases in his first uh, crack at professional baseball. He is having himself a nice start to his uh professional career. Also, I just want to throw it out there real quick that this Thursday, May 27th at Purdue Stadium is the Pink Hat giveaway for the Delmarva Shorebirds as presented by Spicer Brothers Construction Incorporated. And Saturday, May 29th is their first fireworks night. Speaking of the minor leagues, on the line now, we have Press Box's own and from BaltimoreBaseball.com, Todd Karbovich. Todd, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? We're doing really well. We're always happy to have you on the program. We were just talking... Um, down on the farm for Orioles, Orioles banter, talking about how exciting the minor league system is right now. Um, and you're going to be covering, you are covering the minor leagues for BaltimoreBaseball.com. Todd, how much time are you going to be spending at each affiliate this season? Well, um, I've already been down to Bowie, went down to uh, Aberdeen. So I figure, you know, once or twice a week um, when they're in town, you know, to keep up. I'll tell you what, they have some really good talent down in the minor leagues. Um, I've seen some really, really good pitching. Over the games I've been, over the games I've been to, um, over the last couple of last couple of weeks, so uh, it's exciting. You know, world, you know, the major league clubs not doing that great, but they got they got some, they got some guys in the minors, man. You could you know, kind of you know lighten it up, you know, and we'll see. Deal Hall, been dominant, you know. Um, 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 Bernovich from Aberdeen also played well, you know. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's encouraging start with the minors at least. It was somebody who just got promoted today to the Norfolk Tides is Kyle Bradish. He's uh, thrown 13 and two-thirds scoreless innings in three starts. He actually led the Bay Sox in strikeouts with 26. Everybody's talking about the eye-popping numbers that D.L. Hall is putting up, and he's he's been better than Hall yeah. uh, getting that promotion. Have you seen him pitch, and how impressive has, he, has Kyle Bradish really been? I haven't seen him pitch, but he's only, he's only 24 years old, and you're right. And, uh, the opponents are batting at 149 against him. Um, He's impressive. Um, he's a guy who's kind of been not not a big name guy, sort of under the radar. But man, he's he's pitching well under the promotion. And, you know, we can see him. We can see him in Baltimore at some point this season. Yeah, well, yeah. the way things are going right now with the bullpen, we could see him in Baltimore. Now he Very went likely. up. He went up to the Norfolk Tides to kind of help bolster that rotation. Their pitching hasn't been good, Todd. The batting hasn't been good. They're, they have they have eight top 30 prospects on their roster, but a lot of them are hurt, like Jemai Jones and Yosniel Diaz. The Tides are 3-13. Yeah, thir- yeah. yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Tides are 3-13 and 13 right now. They've played a lot of games against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, who, was, who are one of the premier teams in the minor leagues right now. Um have they been as bad as their record indicates, or is it just this this injury bugaboo that's crushing them right now? 
I'm big into injury bugaboo. Guys get adjusted. It's still May. You know, they'll, they'll turn things around. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, they got to look at the, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's how you know, look at how these guys are progressing and how they're going to make an impact in Baltimore. So I, I think the tides will be okay. Um, I think some guys are going to move up from the buoy for more, more reinforcements. And of course, there's going to be a, be a lot, lot of, a lot of uh, changing parts here in Baltimore over the next couple of months. So looking at the Orioles, you know, they, they've promoted a, a good amount of, of prospects so far. You've seen Zach Lowther come up. Obviously, Ryan Mountcastle's been here basically all year, actually all year. Um, and, and you've seen guys like Bruce Zimmerman, of course, Dean Kramer. And there hasn't been a ton of success from the Orioles' prospects at the Major League level this year. Does that kind of show you that the rebuild may take a little bit longer than everyone kind of expected in the first place because these guys are going to come up and not have you know that immediate success? And then you'll probably see that with some of the more prospects that are going to come up you know throughout the year and, and throughout 2022 as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, the guys need to get acclimated to the major yeah. league level, and that's a big jump. Um, and you know, and, and we're seeing Zimmerman pitch, okay, pitch, pitch pretty well. You know, I mean, it's, they, they they weren't his innings. You know, they weren't all their innings. Um, but I think I think the rebuild. I think last year hurt the rebuild. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. Um, with being shut down the entire season. Um, but you know, um, I think we see some encouraging signs. Um, again, you know. A lot of moving parts with the Orioles. Um, Mylon Bannon's guy, you know, could get a, get a chance up here. He's already played with the Orioles for a little bit. But, um, yeah, you know, I think, I think the rebuild may, may take a little bit longer than the Orioles well, they certainly have some impressive tandems down at the minor league level. None more impressive than the tandem of Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg at Delmarva. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, he's batting three ten with a, a, a 1023 OPS. He seems to hit an opposite field home run every other game. Jordan Westberg has put together seven straight multi-hit games to leave his average at 392. How good have Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg been? We saw that Henderson has cracked the top 100. How far behind him is Westberg? I tell you, there are two guys who, um, again, you know, there are two guys to be excited about. Um, and again, you know, their guys are going to move up. And I think, I think they're, they're close, you know, with the, with the with their prospects and what they can hit. And, you know, again, you know, the Orioles, they're drafting well. You know what I mean? They're, they're, having, they're having success in, in, um, in the draft. You know, Gunnar Harrison is a high school guy. You know, he thought would need a little more seasoning. But round two, pick, 40, pick 42 in the draft, and he's showing. He's, he's starting to flash. Yeah, and another guy that they took in the third round is Anthony Servideo, and the batting average isn't there. He's batting just 200, but he has a 476 on base percentage. He has 21 walks compared to his 17 strikeouts. What do his on-base capabilities say for his offensive potential moving forward? That's, you know, that's exactly right. You know, he shows patience to the plate, you know, and the hit is going to come, you know, once he gets more comfortable. Um, but the fact that, you know, he's taking walks, you know, he's got some speed, he can get on base, you know, he's a guy in the lineup. But, yeah, again, um, the hits, hits are going to come when he gets, uh, he gets more at-bats. I think he gets more adjusted to the, to the pitching. Yeah, and there's a reason he was one of just five or six players taken in the draft by the Orioles last year. Only allowed that few amount of picks, but he was one of them. Uh, now we get to the to the big league level, and we've been talking about it all show. The Orioles, they've been scoring runs, not the last two games, but they scored 13 runs in those first two games of the Tampa series. Um, but the pitching has been awful. Todd, why has every starter outside of John Means been so ineffective over the last two weeks? I don't understand it. You know, it's um, it, they can't go deep in the games. You know, Matt Harvey 
last two games. They get like 13 runs in the last two starts. Yeah. Um, it's, and then even um, Lopez pitches well yesterday, but he only gets to the fifth inning. And they're really burning the bullpen. Um, the bullpen, I think, is up to a 4.05 ERA um, in, the, in the last two weeks. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's perplexing. It's, 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 um, the only, only star who's very consistently good is John Means. And, um, you know, and God forbid, Orioles, Orioles, he's on a trading block, you know. Um, but I, I don't get it. You know, when they finally hitting the ball and they don't get pitching. They can't, they can't, they can't, they can't find the right balance. It, and, and it's, pitching. it's crazy to me that you heard Brandon Hyde in this press conference the other day saying, I didn't even want to use Travis Lakins in the game today, and he ends up throwing 40 pitches in an inning. And then yeah. Lopez goes out last night, and yeah, he, he gave he had a whip of two for the game, but he gets through five innings on 88 pitches, only allowing two runs, and he doesn't come back out for the sixth inning. When your bullpen yeah. is that taxed, and their ERA has risen up more than half a run over the last two weeks to, to where it is now at 408, how are you not at least letting him start the sixth inning to try and save your bullpen because they are completely taxed right now. Yeah, especially guys Lopez. You want to, um, you want to, you want a guy. You wanna, he, he needs a guy who can throw the ball. You know, what I mean, he's he's a guy you want to push to to the max a little bit, or at least set him out there. And Wells comes in, gives up a run, and Armstrong who struggled, you know, all this year, um, well, most of this year. And I, I you know, maybe Brandon Hyde. I don't. Know, he wants to keep the guy's confidence up. But at this point, you know, if he's taking a loss, he's one. Of, uh, Lopez is one of five now. ERA, you know, six. So he's a guy you can push to see the eight innings. You know, I'm sorry, but you know, you got, you got. He's a guy that you're going to, you're going to try to ride out a little more. And you're looking at the bullpen and the guys who kind of come in to bridge the gap to the late inning relievers. Travis Lakins and Adam Plutko, they were flourishing to start the year. They can't get anybody out right now. They've been, they've been terrible this month. Yeah, um, maybe they're getting tired. You know, again, you know, they're pushing their innings. You know, and they're. They come in, they're, they're fresh, their lights out, and then all of a sudden they start accumulating innings. Guys are making adjustments to them. They're seeing, you know, there's, there's plenty of um, plenty of splits on them right now, you know, as far as video and everything else. And guys are hitting them, you know, and that's just, they just, Orioles, Orioles just they're struggling right now. They're, they're, they're just really struggling right now. Well, and then on the offensive side of things, somebody who there's tape on now is Ryan Mountcastle. He came up to the big league level last year and was wildly successful, batted 333 in his first taste of big league action. This year, his chase rate and his average exit velocity are right on par with what he did last year. But he seems to be swinging and missing a lot more. He's definitely walking far less. I've seen him swing through so many middle-middle pitches. Uh, are you seeing the same thing? And is there any chance that the Orioles send him back to Norfolk and let him gain, regain some confidence? Because what he's doing right now, it ain't working. Yeah, it's funny because um, when he got out of that mini slump, you know, you saw him change his approach. You know, he's using his hands more. He's letting the, you know, he's playing the ball to all areas of the outfield. You know, and just taking the pitches as they come. He, he kind of made the proper adjustments. And now they're making adjustments again. And now he's struggling. He's batting two fourteen. Um, yeah, um, I think I think they're going to they're going to let Mountcastle go as far as they can um, before they send him down. Because again, um, they want they, he's a guy who 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 you know he, he played his minor. He, he played his quarter of minor league games, and now, now he's, he's here for the majors. So, but if, again, if it, if it gets too bad, if it's too poor, um, they would send him down. But again, right now, they don't have the numbers. You know, they, they, they just, they, too many guys are hurt in the infield. Yeah, and the, the thing about Mountcastle is it seems like, and I said this to Zach earlier today, it seems like he's trying to hit an eight-run home run on every swing to snap yeah. out of it and, and, and right 
the ship for himself, so to speak. Brandon Hyde says that he still has the Ryan Mountcastle is still a very confident player, but how confident can he really be when he's racking up the strikeouts? The walk numbers aren't there, and the power numbers aren't there. Yeah, um, you know, you just think again. I, I talked to Ryan; he's a mentally strong kid. Um, I think that you know um, he he knows he's taking lumps. He knows uh, he's, he's confident enough where he thinks he, he thinks he can get out of it. Um, or those pitching coaches got to work with him and try to um, make those make those adjustments again to what he's seeing as far as pitching goes. But again, yeah, you know, you're, you're not you're not going to bat your way out. You know, you're not going to hit eight run, eight run home run. You know. You know, to, to get out of these slumps, you got to progressively do it. You got to pick up one, two hits per game. You know, kind of get that average back up. Now, somebody who's absolutely raking Todd is Trey Mancini, and he's the best story in baseball this year, and he's looking even better than the hitter we saw in 2019 when he had 35 homers, 38 doubles, 97 RBIs. He's putting together quietly maybe his best season ever, uh, leading the league in leading the majors in RBIs right now. But there's talk that he might be a trade candidate. Do you see him as somebody the Orioles might trade? I can't imagine them doing that at least this year. And is there any chance of them maybe extending him so that he's here when they start winning again? Well, you know, it would suck the life out of this franchise to trade Trey Benson. You know, I agree. One of, the, one of the few players you know fans identify with. Um, the face of the club is the, the best story in baseball right now um, with this comeback. Um, no, I, you know, I don't. I don't see the Orioles. Trading him, but you know, never say never. You know, if if if, 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 um, if, if the bottom falls out the season and they get an offer on the table, that's overwhelming. And, and Trey Mancini will can bring a lot back. You know, they they might be tempted. You know, and then the, the same thing with means. You know, it's uh, it was really sucked the life out of the franchise because fans, you know, they, they want to see the next step in this rebuild. But you know, right now, um, right now they're struggling. And they, and they get a lot of prospects out for those two players. You mentioned the value of Trey Mancini, and I, I don't, I really can't put a, a number of what that would look like because we haven't really seen a guy like that be traded in the past few years. But what do you think it would look like? Is that one one top 100 prospect? Is that a couple guys who are very close to major league ready? What does it look like in return if you were to be traded? I think a top 100 prospect and, and, and another pitcher, you know, another pitching prospect. Makes um, sense. Makes you know, sense. Somebody, somebody that was at least, at least, at least double A. You know, maybe in triple A, ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, they would, they'd have to be overwhelmed, and I think they, they might, they might get overwhelmed. You know. Yeah, I look at the Mookie Betts trade a few years ago. They were able to get for Mookie Betts. Obviously, he was only on a one year left on his deal. Trey Mancini actually is two, and obviously, Mookie Betts is a way better player than Trey Mancini is. But they were able to get Not this year. Well, not this year, true, but they, they were able to acquire Jeter Downs and then uh, Alex Verdugo as well in that deal. And if you look at you know what what the the Red Sox were able to get, how close is that aligned to to what they could get from Mancini? Because you look at a guy. Jeter Downs, the top 100 prospect, and then Verdugo is an MLB-ready player, and of course, probably a better player than what the Orioles would get. But is that kind of aligned with what the the Orioles could could grab? Yeah, I think so. He can play the outfield. You know, he can play first base. You know, he can DH. He's probably a little more he's versatile. You know, he's definitely a guy that you can. He's a, he's a plug and play player. Plus, he's a leader. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, he's well respected yeah. around baseball. All the guys, you know, like him. He, he he's a boost to the club. Not even just you know what he brings to the lineup. He's a boost to the clubhouse. So, yeah, he's definitely a guy that would bring back definitely top-level prospects. 
With that in mind, Anthony Santander has returned to the lineup. He is also considered to be a trade chip right now because he has basically four years of control left with the extra year of arbitration. The Orioles finally seem finally have the outfield they want, healthy and playing at the same time in Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, and Austin Hayes. Does uh, Santander's return put an end to the carousel for a little while, and how much is DJ Stewart's playing time impacted by this? A lot. Um, Zindy Stewart, you know, and the injury bug, too. You know, he just, he can't stay healthy for long periods of time. So that kind of hurts him. But yeah, I mean, Santander, another guy, you know, he might get, you know, they might get offers for, um, you know, he, he's a guy, he's been solid in a lineup. He's consistent. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 uh, DJ Stewart's definitely the fourth man on that one, that one, that one, that one. Now is he so he's basically a fourth outfielder right now? But do you see him DHing more and uh, Ryan Mountcastle starting to sit more because of- uh, right now I don't I don't see that I don't I think I think they have more they have more investment in Mountcastle um, they have they have more 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 um more at stake so Mountcastle like is a bat still you know you know he plays his way out of it. Uh, I tend to agree with you, but these are the questions we got to ask, right? Uh, yes, sir. This outfield has been a big topic of conversation for quite some time. It's the probably most talented grouping in the system. Um, how do you see this outfield shaking out once Diaz gets healthy and Kerstad steps on the field? I have to imagine, Todd, that one of these players is traded. I'm just not sure who you trade, and I'm certain it won't be Hayes, Mullins, or Kerstad. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's... it's... It depends, you know, on um, on um, you know, how, they're 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 high. They, they now, you know, I think Diaz could be the maybe McKenna, you know, maybe the right man out, you know. Um, but again, you know, with uh, the the the, the outfield of Mullins, Santander, and Hayes, you know, it's solid, and um, there's 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 that room for all these guys on the roster. So I think I think McKenna might be might be the odd man out. Yeah, and honestly, I think that McKenna has a great chance to stay with the club as a fourth outfielder because his back can be sneaky good at times. He's fast. He plays great defense, um, but he's not an everyday player, so he's going to be the odd man out, at least for this season. He's going to be the guy that keeps going when these guys get hurt and then come back. Now, here's here's the frustrating thing about the Orioles right now, Todd, is that they're in their third year of the rebuild, but it's their fifth straight losing season. And yeah. fans remember all too well losing for 14 straight years. Now, the difference is during those dark ages of this franchise, there was no plan. There's a plan now. But my, uh, I myself, I'm getting frustrated yeah. watching this team play such bad baseball for five straight years. How can, When can fans realistically say, look, enough's enough. Put a better product on the field at the major league level. Are we getting close to that time? Because I don't know how much more they can take. Yeah, I think next year they, they have to they have to take the next step next year. Um, show they got to win some ball games. They can't be a hard loss team. A hard loss team again this season. They got they got they got to try to compete a little harder. And then next year, you know, they they have got to start showing the next step in this rebuild. I, I was talking about this with someone the other day. With the Orioles being what they are this season and probably not putting up a very good win-loss record, they could lose easily over 100 games, and they probably will. Um, but how does what they do this year affect what they do in the offseason and preparing for 2022? You just talked about that year as, as the one that could be the, the deciding factor for some Orioles fans, but how much does what they do this year affect that, that offseason? I don't think it does. I don't think it affects all that much. I think there's a plan in place. Just look at their plan. Um, and you know, there's there's guys who they're high on, who are top prospects, and are going to stay with them. So I don't think this year will have that big of an impact on what they do next year. Yeah, I think, you, I think the plan. I think the plan's in place, and they're, they're going to um, they're going to roll with it. 
do you think that there are players in the free agent market beyond a Freddie Galvis type signing in the offseason? Not this offseason, no. I think that maybe next year. All right, all right. Well, Todd, we have one segment left that we want to include you, and we include all of our uh, all of our last guests in this segment, and it's called Take to Rake. And I believe you've played this with us in the past. Um, and basically, if you're unfamiliar, the rules are simple. We, You, Zach, and I each pick a player that we think is going to have the best week uh, offensively for the Orioles between this Saturday and next Saturday. Um, the only rule is that you can't pick a player that – uh, somebody in your slot picked last week. So, right. for example, Nathan Ruiz took Ryan Mountcastle last week. You can't take Ryan Mountcastle this week. Um, okay. Look, nobody won last week. We've decided there's a there's a tie for last because um, Mountcastle he led the way at four for seventeen slash two thirty five two sixty three ninety four two ninety four. Uh, Austin Hayes finished in second one seventy four two seventy three oh four, and Cedric Mullins took the rear for Zach one forty three two fifty one ninety slash line. So nobody won, but because the last winner was a guest uh, and Ryan Mountcastle technically had the best week, Todd, we're gonna let you pick first. I'm going Severino. Severino. That yeah. is, I don't think anybody's taking yeah, that. I, I think that's got to be a first. I like the pick because, I mean, when, when you've got guys like Hayes and, and Mullins who aren't hitting the ball, you know, never know. Yeah, and Sever, yeah. Severino's been, been showing signs of coming out of a season-long slump recently, yeah. so that, that could be a solid pick. I'm going to do something I haven't done all year. I'm taking Trey Mancini. Yeah. I, I I have to. I, don't, I haven't enough. taken him all year. He's a, he's the highest hottest guy on the team, and I I haven't won in about five weeks. I got to get a victory. You knew I was going to take Trey Mancini. You, well, had you knew to. I was going to take Cedric <laughs> Mullins last week. Exactly, so. exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Santander. You know, I, I think that swing looked oh, pretty good, good last yeah. night on the base hit he had. So. I, I don't know what he's going to look like coming back from the injured list, but I like the swing last night, so I'll take him. All right, that's going to do it then. We have uh, Todd Karpovich. He's taking Pedro Severino. I'm taking Trey Mancini. Zach's taking Anthony Santander. Todd Karpovich, the hardest working man in all of <laughs> sports. Dude, you are everywhere, man. I don't know how you even sleep. Uh, thanks so much for joining the program. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Take care, bud. That was Todd Karpovich joining the program here on the on the line in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I hate that I just called him Bud. I hate when people like when people call me Bud really? because it just seems uh, condescending. Like, hey, nah. little buddy, and I didn't mean it that way. It just came out, so I hope he didn't take offense. Nah, I think to me I, saying I didn't even take care, I, I didn't even pay attention to it. But, uh, uh, I noticed that stuff, but I'm also an overthinker. So if Todd, if you took offense, I didn't mean to say take care, Bud, and I apologize. Uh, I just want to remind you, Great Eights Memorabilia has so many great events coming up, including private signings with Joe Flacco, Anquan Bolden, and Jonathan Ogden coming June 27th. The the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota, where you can meet Justin Tucker, plus live music from Joey Harcum and Dave Teeth during the day, a cornhole tournament, dunk tank, and more. And on July 25th, the return to training camp party and crab feast featuring Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Find out all... Wait, let me try that again. Find out about all of these events and get your tickets right now by going to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. All right, make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to catch a break. When we get back, we will finish out the show. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Hey, this is Chris Rowan from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a pre premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis' career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles. Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, the latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt has taken with Means and the entire organization. 
Uh, inside, Matt Kremnitz reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bull Smoker looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Really solid show today, Ball. Really solid show. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Can, can you turn me up just a little bit? Um, I, I really enjoyed the show. I love ta- talking to Todd Karpovich, man. And, and I love talking to all of our guests. I love talking to Stan every week. I, yeah. I, 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 I love my dad. My dad's my best friend, but I've always looked at Stan as kind of like a father figure. He's, he's For sure. He's been an, an excellent... He's what a mentor should be. Yes. And so talking to him every week is a privilege for me, and that's he founded the show, and that's why we have him on for the respect that he deserves, but also because he's a great baseball mind, and he, he deserves adulation. So I'm gl- always glad to have him on. But the reason that I love talking to Todd, A, he's a great dude. And, he, and he's knowledgeable, but B, yes. when I said that he's the hardest working man in sports, guys, I am not joking. He's like the Joe Buck of the Baltimore area, except he doesn't call games. This guy writes for Utah Street Report. Mm-hmm. He writes for Russell Street Report. I've seen him write for Forbes. He writes for Sports Illustrated. He writes for BaltimoreBaseball.com. I don't know when he sleeps. <laughs> he is. I don't know when you sleep either. So there. <laughs> oh, I, I, I really barely do. I, I yeah. bar- and now now I have three jobs if you include this 1057 and um, and the restaurant that I work at uh, one day we'll all get to sleep I, and, I'm and, looking forward to and, it and, and, <laughs> enjoy it while you can man because the, the older you get the harder you have to work in this field man and it's um Todd he, he is he is burning that midnight oil he has to be yeah he is everywhere if the, and honestly if you want to make it in <clears throat> excuse me if you want to make it in this industry yeah you kind of have to be oh yeah you have to put your stamp on everything well, i mean sports is a business that there's a lot of people who are who want in it and only so many jobs so yeah. you've got to you've got to make your mark and the best are the best because they they're willing to work harder yes. than everybody else adam schefter um uh what's the other guy's name ian rapaport ian rapaport ken rosenthal yes these guys work harder than they're not just they didn't get there by mistake these guys work harder than everybody else you got to find that that next gear it, you really you just do um uh, we wanted to talk a little bit actually before we talk about Chris Davis and we have we're still ending the show earlier this this week than we normally do but um I want to talk about the the NL West okay real quick because what's going on out there is absolutely bananas yeah so going into yesterday all three teams at the top of that division and right now it's the Giants and the Padres tied for first and the Dodgers in second uh, and the Dodgers in third place behind them all three of those teams have won at least eight of their previous ten. And all three of those teams were riding at least four-game winning streaks going into last night. Now, the Dodgers won their fifth straight with the win over the uh, over the Giants. And the Padres won their seventh straight with just a 16-1 shellacking of the Seattle Mariners, who are on the wrong end of a lot of... Uh, yeah. Lopsided scores and no hitters. Uh, two times now this, this year. Two times in two weeks. We didn't even mention Corey Kluber. I just yeah, realized that. Yeah, well, because who cares? But <laughs> Cor- no, Corey Kluber. Who, who the, cares about Le- the Yankees? Corey Kluber. No. Yeah, Corey no Kluber one. threw a, a no hitter, and it's really for me. It's not taking the luster off of the no hitter, but to other people, it might be six no hitters, and it's mid May. And you, technically seven when you look at Madison Bumgarner's seventh inning no-no, yeah. that's not going to count, but it should. Because um, if it counts as a complete game, it should count as a no-hitter. But we've talked about this in Agreed. the past. Um, and Cor- but 
and Corey Kluber doing it. He's one of the he was one of the best pitchers in the game for about five years. Not 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 any longer. Not at any least longer, in my but, book. But, I mean, but he's been better recently. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it's more about how bad hitting has been. Yeah. And it's, and look, when you had that juiced up baseball, launch ankle was awesome. Yeah. It, I don't think it's awesome to see two different teams hit three hundred home I mean, runs in one season. Does but, anyone really enjoy pitcher's duels more than 500-foot bombs every day? I don't know. I'd rather see... I want to see a game... I'm good with 5-4, to four, where each starting pitcher goes good six, game. seven innings of two to three run ball, but the 5-4 to four score has four home runs in it. You know, I'm... I'm 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 good with that. I guess I enjoy a, a solid one to nothing victory or three to two victory. It has you on the edge of your seat. You're having heart palpitations throughout the entire game. But I I enjoy it. But there's is it fair to say too many no hitters? Can that ever be? a I thing? mean, it's six and it's May, yeah. which is just kind of. I don't want to say it's it's wrong, but it's weird. I would say it's just it, it something's wrong with with baseball right now it's it's uh, maybe it's the ball they you know they, they came out and they deadened the ball and maybe it's that maybe it's that you know the hitters are for whatever reason worse i i don't know it's it's i'll tell you that the launch angle is in my opinion the worst thing to happen one of the worst things to happen to baseball everyone's swinging because for it you're you're trying to get a 25 to 28 degree right. launch angle which right. means that you're uppercutting pitches that are at your numbers and that's why they're striking out right 100 mile an hour fastballs you can't uh, you're lucky to get the bat on the ball and yeah. you're trying to uppercut it? Nah, man. It, 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 it's like it's like Joey Gallo. I mean, that guy swings for the moon every single pitch, and he hits a lot. You know, hits a lot of home runs. Obviously, he's a 40, 50 home run a year guy. But you see more and more guys who aren't you know that powerful trying to copy like what Joey Gallo does, what Aaron Judge does, trying to copy their success and, and really kind of destroying their swing in the process. Yeah, it's 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 not been good. They're talking about moving the the mound back. Somebody actually made a great yeah. point to me the other day. Don't move the mound back. Lower it. Because yeah. If it's 18 I'm inches... I'm opposed to all of it, to be honest. I, I mean, or just stop teaching the launch angle and go back to co- to swinging down on the ball and just trying to hit a line drive. Because the home runs are going to come if you just try and hit a line drive. There's right. always going to be guys that want to uppercut it like a Mark McGuire. Sure. And they're going to be... Some of them are going to be successful. But by and large... You need to just put good swings on the ball, and people and and players just aren't right now. I think average is at an all time low. Strikeouts are at an all time high. Uh, the game has really been garnered towards pitching uh, recently, and it's just it's a shame to see. Uh, to, to be fair, I mean, you, you think about what a, a mindset for a player should be, and the the greatest players in history, they always say you hit home runs when you're not trying to hit home runs, mm-hmm. and launch angle kind of discourages that. Every guy is trying to, like you mentioned with Ryan Mountcastle, he's probably, you know, he's been told, oh, you have this great launch angle, you're hitting all these bombs last year, and then he comes out this year and tries to replicate that, and instead doesn't try to shorten his swing and just get a base hit. You know, if, if there's a ball that comes in on your hands, say it's a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in on your hands, your best option as a hitter is to turn on it and pull your hands inside and just loop it to left field. You know, it, making contact should be the number one thing over power to me. Getting base hits getting your on-base percentage up, that should be take precedent over launch angle, in my opinion. Well, and and to my Ryan Mountcastle's credit, I was at the game on Wednesday when he collected two hits. It was a it, he was two for his first two. There was a line drive base hit and a looping line drive. It's to not right only field. Ryan, yeah. And and then he had a ground ball into the hole. The, the second baseman made a diving play, but had no shot because he was in the outfield grass when he got the ball. But uh, he went the other way. Um, I don't know if that was his approach or if it just happened by chance. But uh, it's just one of those things. Speaking of chance, real quick, with the way Brett Cumberland and also 
Justin Windsor swinging the bat at AAA. How warm is Chan Cisco's seat getting? Uh, Michael Elias did a did an interview not long ago. I want to say it was the Baltimore Sun, and he kind of made it sound like Chan Cisco is here to stay. It, based on the way he worded everything, it was like, oh, Cisco, you know, he had a 364 on base last year. He hasn't gotten off to a hot start this year, but he's not really going anywhere. So I don't know that the seat's hot yet, but it should be. It should be. He is. He has gotten better defensively. He's not great, yeah, but he's throwing out a lot say of that. runners. I will he's throwing say out that. a lot of but base runners. He's lost at the plate. The guy has no. He just looks for walks. I believe he looks for. He goes up there and he he says, "All right, let's see if I can you know take four pitches and, and try to get on that not not hit the ball." I like his swing. I, I see. Yeah, little, I, it's and, and, and here's a guy that people aren't going to like the comp, but he was a good player until he got popped for steroids. But he was he, he had a pretty swing. He, his swing reminds me of Larry Bigby. Uh, I liked Larry That's Bigby. L- Larry Bigby was successful. One, he, one year, he hit 280 with 15 home runs for the Orioles. I liked Larry Bigby. It's a shame he couldn't stay off the juice uh, and ruined his career. So many guys were doing it at that yeah, point, though. Yeah, exactly. And if you weren't doing it, you weren't trying. Yeah. But uh, I, I see a lot of that swing in Chan Cisco. I like his swing. He's just not doing anything when he hits the ball. Uh, I, and he's not going to get more playing time over Pedro Severino until he starts hitting, and he's not going to. He's not right. really... I hate to be one of those guys who says that he's not getting the opportunities because he has gotten the opportunities and he hasn't it, been successful. I mean, he's been on this team for, what, three years of full seasons now. Well, not full seasons, but when you add up all the games, yeah. to get, he's basically played three full seasons for the Orioles. And the guy is just not a productive player. Yeah. I mean, and the defense is not good enough to whereas I would say he's he's a defensive-based catcher. He's not a defensive-minded no, he, guy. He, he's got he, he's got nothing. Right. He's not He's not even Austin wins defensively. So I, I'm interested to see. Look, the Orioles were, are giving Ryan Mountcastle every opportunity yes. to break out of his slump. I'd be interested to see if they just let let Chan Cisco play five days a week for two months to see where his numbers would what be. What would happen, right? Uh, yeah. but, but that's never going to happen. Unfortunately, no. It's, they, ne- it's, it's never going to happen. Severino's a better player, and there's probably no one denying that. Um, he, he, Though he can't hit a 2-0 elevated yeah, fastball, well, apparently. He, uh, he, again, Pedro Severino is not a great player either, but he is a better option of the two. And Brett Cumberland, you know, he deserves a shot. The guy, you know, he's hitting the ball well. He, I, I think he's got a number of home runs already. Um, so does Austin wins. And Austin wins, too. So, yeah, I mean, and, and to the Orioles' credit, by the way, I, I was really going after Rhea Ruiz last week, and he got DFA'd, I think, the a couple days later, maybe two or three yeah, days they, later. They, so they DFA'd Rio Ruiz not long after our show yeah. last week, and it was. Um, we have not heard what has happened to him yet. He could either clear waivers, elect free agency, go to AAA, uh, be claimed on waivers, be traded. Who knows? I, I have no idea. Um, I can't imagine anybody claiming him, and then yeah, it, it would be up to him to accept to to accept an um, assignment. Right. Then, um, if he does clear waivers, and lastly, what we want to talk about, Chris Davis, the hip labrum uh, surgery. To, it's gonna he's gonna be out four to five months, essentially ending his season. They said he'll be ready for spring training next year. And you asked me an interesting question earlier this week: um, Is Chris Davis an Orioles Hall of Famer? This is the toughest thing. I think it is because I mean, if you look at the Orioles Hall of Fame. There's a lot of players in it who are absolute legends. You look at, you know, obviously Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, Cal Ripken, the the, the usual guys you would kind of su- suspect to be in the Orioles Hall of Fame. But then there's some guys who just, I, I look at it and I go, I don't remember a significant contribution from this guy. Now, obviously, a lot of these guys in the Orioles Hall of Fame were, were you know, played before I was even born, and, and the same for you. So we haven't seen a lot of players in the Orioles Hall of Fame, but it clearly isn't the hardest thing in the world to get in it. 
is basically what I'm trying to say. Basically, if you have any semblance of success for the Orioles... Over in, a long in, period in, of time. You're in the Hall of Fame. Like right. Mike, Mike Bordick is in the Orioles Hall of Fame. Not a great player, but... Uh, well, he was a pretty solid defender. He was, but a, gr- he was, a, he was a really good defender. Yeah. He still has the consecutive errorless yeah. chances streak. Um, Should have won a gold glove in 2001. A-Rod won it because A-Rod didn't win the MVP. Yeah. But a guy that's in the Orioles Hall of Fame, who maybe shouldn't be, Hall of Famer overall, Roberto Alomar. Yeah, uh, three years for the Orioles. He was so, here 96, 97, 98, yeah. and he's in the Orioles Hall of Fame. And if he's in, Chris Davis should be in. Because I look at what Chris Davis did in, um, what year was it? In 2012. 2013. Hit, well, 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 20, the, whole, the whole 2012, he, era. Hit like, he hit like 280 with 33 home runs. Yes. 2013, he was the best hitter in baseball. He hit yep. 286. He hit 53 home runs. Drove in, drove in 138 runs. The best offensive season in the history of Orioles baseball. Yes. Okay. Then, unless you count Tejada's 34 homers, 212 hits. I, I, I would RBIs. take Davis's season there. And then, yeah. and then, an off year in 2014. But then 2015, 47 homers, 118 RBIs. Yep. What Chris Davis and he earned that contract, and then in 2016 he still hit 38 home runs with, eight, with yeah. over 80 RBIs. So the thing is, the prolific power numbers, and you're looking at four really solid seasons, yeah. four really good seasons in a five-year stretch. We, what have you done for me lately? And, and I sure. and I get and I and I get that, and there's a recency bias here. But I think when it's all said and done, how can you not put Chris Davis in the Orioles Hall of Fame? I, see, here's where I stand on it. I There are a lot of people, again, if you go through that Hall of Fame, there are a lot of people that I guarantee you most Orioles fans have never heard of. There are a lot of people in there that you probably... Do you, do you have a list of them? I, I do have the list, actually. Uh, uh, n- name something you think nobody's heard of. So, uh, for me, I, I'd have to go through it a little bit more, uh, more. There's like 50 players in the Orioles Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah. They're all on a plaque. They all have their own plaques uh, in Camden Yards, right next to a bathroom, believe it or not. Uh, on <laughs> yeah, U- right, right on Utah Street there. Right yeah. there on Utah yeah. Street. Just give me some random names. So, I, again, this is maybe only me, but I have never heard of Gene Woodling. I nope. don't know if that's only me. Nope. Uh, Hal Brown? I've never heard of Hal Brown. Nope. Uh, George Bamberger? I've never heard. I've of- heard of George Bamberger, but I couldn't tell you if he was a pitcher. I, I actually player. googled it the other day. He played like two games for the Orioles, and he also was like a pitching coach for a long time. That's like probably uh, that's or, probably what it was. Yeah. Um, and then again, I'd have to uh, Jerry Hoffberger. I'm not sure Jerry Hoffberger. Billy Hunter. I mean, there's just a lot of guys in here that I just don't really know. And then obviously, of course, there's going to be your, your Cal Ripkins of the world. But and Brady Anderson, and sure. Mike Devereaux, and Mike Mussina. And, is Mike right. Devereaux an Orioles Hall of Famer? Mike Devereaux is an Orioles Hall of Famer as of 2021. Yes, him and Jay- oh yeah, that's right. He got in this year with JJ Hardy and Joe Angel. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe Angel 100. percent Oh yeah, for God, sure. He's one of my favorite broadcasters of yes. all time. JJ Hardy definitely deserving. Love JJ Hardy. Have you heard? of Ernie Tyler. Yeah. I've yeah. not heard of Ernie, Ernie Tyler. Tyler. I'll be was, honest with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ernie Tyler was the clubhouse attendant for like 50 years. Oh, really? Here. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Got the, it. Ne- the only game he ever missed in his entire career was when he went up to K- to Cooperstown the day that Cal got inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's the only wow. game okay. that right. Ernie Tyler ever missed. He died a few years ago, um, but he was... It, it, 
I'm not going to say if you haven't heard of Ernie Tyler, you're not paying attention, but this is a guy that, yeah, that, that, I mean, that just about every Orioles fan should know of. I mean, okay, fair enough, but also not a player. So Not, not a player, but was around... Uh, he he was the Cal Ripken of clubhouse attendance. He did not miss a game for 50 years. Fair enough. That's not something I uh, I knew. But okay, and my, my point just being, yes, Chris Davis is probably an Orioles Hall of Famer. No, I wouldn't put him in there. Yeah, and 2017 to now... It's like, how is this guy even a major league player? Yeah, I mean, but, but you can't. You've, you've got to weigh the bad, the bad years with the good years, and I don't know which one takes the, you know, takes the. Well, let me let me let me do some quick math right here, real quick. So there's a hundred, hundred and thirty three plus another thirty eight is a hundred and seventy one plus twenty six. He had in a four year span, in a four year span, he hit a hundred and ninety seven home runs. That's insane. Yeah, it is, and, and he drove it in, and he drove in over 400 runs in that span. But it's also notable that the the 2021 WAR of Chris Davis is the best since like 2017 because yeah. he hasn't been he hasn't been under 0.0. He, he, he will have no stat line for this right. season. It'll it'll say for if you go to Baseball Reference, it'll say for 2021 did zero. not play zero injured. games played. It, right, it, 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 there won't be a number there. It won't say zero. Sure, I know, it'll but say, just for. Just for, 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 for again for poops and gigs, <laughs> you know, it, it, you, you we're gonna say that it's not a fair thing because he didn't play the, to accrue any kind of war. So there's, it's not even a zero war. It's it's like when a pitcher hasn't pitched yet, he doesn't have a zero ERA. He has a, a couple of dashes in that slot. So there's no war for Chris Davis. There's just a couple of dashes in there. Look, what Chris Davis did from 2012 through 2016, and yes, 2016 was the start of the downturn. He only hit like 221, but still hit 38 home runs. What he did for those five seasons, you can't ignore. And it, it was the – there were few players, if any, that had a five-year stretch like Chris Davis in the history of this franchise. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and, and he should be inducted because of that stretch. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I – it's going to be interesting to figure out when the Orioles decide to actually do this. Because, again, I do think he will be inducted. I I would agree. I, I think that will happen. It, it, it might be the Mike Devereaux road, where Mike yeah. Devereaux hasn't played the game for the Orioles since 1996. Right. And it took him till 2021 to get in. And also, Mike Devereaux is probably not really deserving of, of being in yeah, the Orioles Yeah, I mean, Hall there's another one you can make an argument for. He had, one, he had one really good year. I mean, the, the question is, is that do the Orioles put people in the Hall of Fame? We don't know how what their really selection process is. Hey, is Chris Hoyles in the Orioles Hall of Fame? I would uh, believe he is. I, I would be very surprised if he wasn't, but I'll check on that right now. Uh... Chris Hoyles is not in the Orioles Hall of Fame. That's a guy that's a travesty that he's not in the Orioles Hall of Fame yet. Because and unless I'm missing it here, i got to check the, the whole list. He is, for the, for, the, for the length of his career, he is the best offensive catcher in the I'm sorry, I, I can't read apparently because he is. He Two, is. He was okay. inducted all the way back in 2006. I was looking a lot farther De- down the road. Deservedly so. Yes. Deservedly so. 2006 okay. was not that long after his playing career, so I wasn't even well, thinking yeah, to look yeah, back there. It was. It was eight years. Yeah, but if you look at Mike, I mean Mike Devereaux, it's been since 1996. And yeah. So. And that was after he was he was traded and then brought back for a playoff push. Um. So yeah, it's Mike Devereaux. I mean, one good year. One, one, look look back yeah, at his career. That's, that's fair. He, I think it was 93. Two or ninety three hit twenty four homers, drove in mm-hmm. over a hundred. He had a really good year, and then he got. I remember he got a big contract from the Orioles, and then he got hit in the face by a fastball, and his cheek like exploded. And then he yeah. was he was like one of the first people I ever saw wear one of those helmets where they had yeah, the cover- long flap to cover the cheek, and he was never the same player. Yeah, a- a- after that happened, and it was you know, a, a good player for the Orioles. He helped turn that team into a winning team in ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, but. 
Right, it's about contribution, but we don't really know exactly how it's selected. Um, yeah. But yes, Chris Davis will be in there. He, yeah, he will be. I agree. As I agree. will Adam Jones. I mean, J.J. Hardy was. So it, it just makes sense. It, it, most A lot of players from that era. Maybe even Matt Wieters. We could see. Matt Wieters is for sure. I would think it has Hall to famer. be. I would he think 100% he has to be. Is. He's yeah. one of the best catchers in the history of the franchise. He, he 100% is. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. Thanks for indulging us with our um, our... Orioles Hall of Fame discussion at the end of the program. Uh, we will see you next week here on the Bat Around. Uh, look, most places you don't have to wear your mask anymore if you're vaccinated, but yep. go get that vaccine. Let's get back to normal, and uh, you know, we'll talk to you next week here on the Bat Around. See ya. <laughs>